All right, welcome everybody to Back in Tunes. It's our own personal Shark Week. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host, Jacob. Jacob. If I sound sniffly, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's allergy season where he lives, so it's kicking him in the rear. So you're going to hear a little bit of... <laughs> which might actually fit in with street sharks. <laughs> All right, so we're yeah. going to be discussing street sharks and Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw is a little bit harder. You were not able to find it. Uh, but if you're looking for Jabberjaw episodes, there is a website that's pretty safe called Funnier Moments, and they're solely devoted to cartoons, especially rare cartoons that are not on DVD or out of print. But you don't have that ability, which is a bummer. So um, we'll just watch yeah. Street Sharks. The first episode is called Shark Bait, and we'll kind of hit on Jabberjaw as we fade out of Street Sharks. Cool? Sounds good. All right. So Sounds you, just dandy. You, you said the first episode is called Shark Bait. That's right. Shark bait. Shark bait. <laughs> yeah. Of course. I think for me, it. I think if kid, I guess this, I guess this is a way to get kids to like sharks because everyone's always telling them, oh, sharks are bad. They'll eat you. Just watch Joyce. <laughs> when right, they're I'm, really not. They're uh, very important to our ecosystem. They help keep, downkeep, you know, some fish from overpopulating. Well, at the same time, it's not like they they can be pets. They are vicious monsters if given the opportunity. But don't give them the opportunity. Yeah, just don't get cut and go swimming. Don't let any blood flow in the water. Hey, guys, I was in the kitchen all day long, and I cut off four of my fingers. Do you want to go surfing? <laughs> do not yeah, do no, that. It's like, it's like one person could be, I mean, maybe like, what? what's the maximum number? Four people are killed a year by shark attacks. Yeah. And every four that are killed, they people tend to kill 5,000. Yeah, well, Heck, some people just kill for shark fin soup. That, this is true. We kill a lot of sharks. All right, so Street Sharks, Shark Bait. It's up on YouTube. Go ahead and hit play now. Yeah. Ugh. Honestly, uh, no, I do like sharks. I just don't want to go swimming with them because, no, no. you know, they play, a little, they play a little too rough. But And they also make really crappy sci-fi channel movies. Can we get over the massive wave of giant sharktopuses and, uh, what is it, dino shark and ghost shark? Every week there's a new shark. It's ridiculous. Oh, Sharknado, of course, has been the epitome of excess of sharks. Yeah. But, and of course, people are always watching Shark Week, you know, to learn about sharks, you know, you know their habitats, how they swim, how they feed, what they feast on. It's not necessarily human flesh. It's, it's fish. They try to keep fish from getting too big. <laughs> it's a natural, it's all, it's all a big chain. It's all a big link. All right, so Street Sharks. I have absolutely no memory of this show whatsoever. Yet it was on this. for quite a while. Well, growing up in the nineties, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of advertisements for it, and a huge toy line. And you know, there were some pretty cool shark. You know, there were some pretty cool toys. You know, they were like kind of rubbery at the top, mostly like plastic legs. They were like kind of flexible, and they had like this really cool biting jaw action. <laughs> Did they have vehicles, yeah. or is it just as is? Uh, sometimes they were just as is. I think there were some vehicles that they go in. I don't know. I do remember them traveling around in a van. Not like the Ninja Turtles, but, you know, mainly because I think a van would be the only thing that would hold these big, yeah. big guys. Do you, think this these is kinda, do you think this is derivative at all of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Um, no, not really. Yeah, I just I was kind of noticing it. It seems like maybe it probably got greenlit because of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles being so popular. But it does seem to have its own style and unique way of approaching it. That wasn't like, oh, well, this is just like, what was it, radioactive black belt hamsters? Adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. 
It's pathetic. I still remember that. Or Barnyard Commandos. Yeah. I forgot about that show. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of shows around that time where it was a bunch of uh, armed or kung fu fighting uh, anthropomorphic characters. Was it there's extreme dinosaurs, right? Oh, yeah, extreme dinosaurs. This actually would cross over with it eventually. No kidding. And there's battle But here toads. it's like... Mm. But here it's definitely dealing with like cross-species genetics, kind of like how what they went over in the plot of Amazing Spider-Man 1 with the lizard. Yeah. But this time with uh, aquatic animals. I guess this guy's just doing it because he, you know, he wants to manipulate and rule the world. You know, evil bad scientist. Who's really obviously a villain. I mean, he's it's kind of a stupid design and a little obvious. But since it's a toy, you got to sell it to the kids. You got to make it a little obvious. I know. Well, it got me to like, well, I mean, it definitely got me to like sharks. You know, I'd say something crazy like, Mom, I want a pet shark. She'd be <laughs> like, yeah, wait till you're an adult and you, buy her, you can buy your own, okay? Yeah, and then I'll be calling <laughs> you my handless son. I know. Like, just whatever you do, don't get cut. Don't don't show any blood. That makes them go crazy. Okay, I have to ask this. Why does the villain have a metal eye patch? Why is it metal with rivets? Is it drilled into his face? Is it just put together that way? Why would you need metal? I think it would be, like, chafe, like, a lot. Probably because he's a huge metal fan. He probably lost it in a, you know... A mosh pit. Like an Iron Maiden concert? Yeah, Metal Slayer. Look at him. Oh, yeah, look at him. Just look at the guy. Just look at the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you he has a couple of D.O. shirts in his closet. Okay, so basically this guy, yeah, he wants to create a huge, perfect species. So he's manipulating their DNA. Which is kind of cool. Gets kids into science and aquatic and, you know, marine biology. What would you think? Oh, sorry, I was I was interested in something here. Um, uh, this show was part of a package that Deke put together in the mid-90s, and it was three shows. It was Street Sharks, Sky Surfer Strike Force. Remember we did that episode? Hey. Princess, Guinevere, and the Jewel Riders. Man, I don't know any of these shows. <laughs> I don't know if Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. Seems silly. Yeah, and then they would package it with other shows like Highlander, Mighty Max, and The Mask TV show. You know, the one from oh, uh, the Jim Carrey movie? Yes, I do. Re- I watched all of those, actually. Actually, it's funny. is I wanted to do an episode where we talk about all three Jim Carrey cartoons. Uh, Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yeah, we do have to discuss those. Especially uh, if Jim, Jim Carrey decides to come up with a new movie soon. Yeah, well, Dumb and Dumber 2 wasn't that great. But it definitely took the weekend box office. I guess it was highly anticipated. Oh, it was. Uh, you know what? I didn't realize the Dino Avengers is what they started off as, and then they turned to extreme dinosaurs. Right. Hmm. And I this, don't, I don't this is actually a Canadian cartoon. It was partially funded by an American company, but it was all produced in Canada. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, and this show just early, just. A little moment ago, it just showed, you know, Fission City, how it's, you know, highly polluted. And... Oh, sorry, my nose. Oh, I can actually breathe through it again. Oh. Did you use nasal crumb? <laughs> That's right, nasal crumb. Yeah. And so, you know, it just kind of shows you that. <laughs> you are that, you know, suffering CO2... something awful, aren't you? <laughs> I know. That CO2, that the CO, you know, CO2 is burning. You should be more environmentally aware and, you know, Start being a little bit more green, people. 
this show was on for three years. I'm kind of surprised. Most of the cartoons we watched that are syndicated, this was not on a network. This was purely syndicated. Most of the syndicated shows were a strip, a one-year strip of 65 episodes. If you were lucky, you got to two or three seasons. It's really, really rare. You'd have to be like massively successful like G.I. Joe or Transformers. This was on for three seasons, 40 episodes. So I wonder if it was syndicated, but then they would pad like, you know how when you watch cartoons on Saturday morning, they'd start at like 8 o'clock in the morning and go to around right. 11? Well, it always seemed like some stations always had like a little bit before 8 o'clock and a little bit after 11 o'clock and... It could be anything. It would be like Saved by the Bell or with that NBA Jam or it would be reruns of old cartoons. But I bet you this is one of those where they pad it either Saturday or Sunday morning with. Yeah. I like how it shows uh, how it shows diversity even between all these brothers. My gosh, four boys growing up with all of them around the same age. That's got to be terrible. Oh, the size of like Winnebago's. These are huge muscle-bound goons. That they are. I mean, gosh, just the you know football brother, just like straight up bashing through everything and knocking over a whole goalpost. <laughs> he's got to be. He's got to be a robot, honestly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he can be a big muscle-headed jock, but still. And then of course you got you know this little extreme sports rollerblader kid, someone, someone that something relevant to the '90s, and then going off the roof and skydiving. That's awesome. When's the last time you saw someone on rollerblades? We were just discussing this on our Trash Cinema episode where we discussed rollerblading movies. It used to be everywhere. I mean, I rollerbladed. All my friends rollerbladed. And it was like in every commercial, tons of stuff. I mean, but all of a sudden, you don't see it anymore. It's just like dead, just dead in the water. Oh. Is it because all the older people started picking it up and we thought it was dorky? And they're like, eh, we can't do that. I know. People just stick to ice skating still. And then, of course, now then there's this guy on the Harley. That's pretty awesome. Right in his way around. Yeah, each of them have their own specific uh, set of intelligence. Some not so and much, and some really smart. This guy right here, though, the big jock guy. I mean, he's roller. He's on a he's on a skateboard. That's awesome. It just shows he's a bit of a punk and a rebel. <laughs> he may be a jock, but he's also rebellious. Well, as long and as they don't the... start asking for pizza, then you know. Okay, wait, wait, wait. A jetpack? Where does he get a jetpack from? I guess because their father's you know a very you know inventive professor. Yeah, see, and it shows that these kids are very observant. All of a sudden, they realize he has his father's watch, but it's like, oh, wait, that, our mom gave it to him. He would never give that away, of course. It all just shows that they're not stupid at all. That's good. Finally, smart heroes. <laughs> oh, okay. I There's one thing. There's a sticking point for me with this cartoon, and I know that they're toys, and it's a toy line, but some of the designs are truly awful. I mean, there's hideous crap and I, I it's really hard for me to look at these characters and not go these this is second rate or third rate animation and it's a, it's a bit rough and i know that's probably gonna make some fans of the show angry but you have to admit deke was not exactly top of the line nor were the designs on the show still it's it's entertaining it's it's fun and uh i'm sure it meant a lot to the kids who watched it when it was on like i said i'm coming to this very late so you know i'm almost 40 and i watch it now and it's it's hard for me to connect to it Honestly, if you if you cook that lobster dude, I think it would solve, make a lot of people. It would solve world hunger. Oh, it would. Somewhat. That's a massive. And what's his name? Slobster? <laughs> is that right? Slobster. That's just gross. Lobster, yes. I'd eat him. I'm like, I'm gonna boil your. I'm gonna boil you. Maybe get some butter dipping sauce. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh man. But honestly, as far as I know, he's a, the other guy's a swordfish. But why is? Why is his nose shaped like a screw? I don't know. Or, no idea. You, it's some sort of modification afterwards. 
Yep. There's a lot of trans- I, I don't know. I, yeah, I think there's a lot of transformations in cartoons that don't make any sense, and you're just like, that looks like it would have hurt a lot, or that doesn't make sense whatsoever. Exactly. I <laughs> plus his nose would be extremely heavy. Why is it golden oh, too? Yeah, I, was, I don't know. It would have to be an add-on. It might have been part of the kit, you know, just like attach it to the nose. But yeah, the weight <laughs> of gold is so much that a first off, isn't gold really soft? So that's a horrible drill. It wouldn't go through anything. It would just kind of like fall apart. And B, it's so heavy that he would constantly have like serious neck issues, constantly you know picking it up off the ground. So yeah, it's kind of a dumb choice. Yeah. No. Oh look, a brunette witness. Uh oh, she ran away. Oh, and the monster city would kill her. What kind of monsters are that to not kill a, a witness? <laughs> They're just not doing their jobs, man. Good henchmen are very hard to find. You gotta offer benefits, like you know, good insurance, days off. So like that, you just can't just go out there and go, you know what, minimum wage. I'm going to expect quality with my henchmen with that kind of kind of pain. Yep. Well, I like how this cartoon is also environmentally aware. You know, what? lack of ozone, so much carbon burning. Pretty much like it is today. It's like, these are early signs of climate change. Well, yeah, there weren't a lot of cartoons back in the day that focused on environmental issues. I think Captain Planet, of course, is the trendsetter. Were there any others besides... Oh, yeah. I mean, this obviously has some sort of... You know what? Even Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of had a thing. And I just said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I just made that a non-word. Power Rangers did a bit. Did they? But, yeah, Power Rangers touched on environment, recycling, cleaning up. They touched on everything. Of course, bullying, you know, picking on someone and all that. Oh, look, now they're turning into sharks. This transformation has begun. You must be a step ahead of me. I have them eating hamburgers. Let me fast forward. Oh, there they go. Oh, yeah. You know what? It would have taken you out of this cartoon if it turned into, um, like, American Werewolf in London where they're just screaming their heads off in agony. Just like, oh, God, help me! The pain! Every child in the world would have turned that off. Going, Mommy, I don't know what to do, but I need therapy. <laughs> okay, so you can tell that one's a great white. That's a tiger shark. That is a whale shark, although whale sharks don't have teeth, from what I know, from what I remember. Okay, the first thing to do, even when they're hungry, is, you know, to vandalize and destroy a hot dog cart. Are oh. they going to pay for that? They better. I mean, they're father's a scientist. They should be making some mad money. Okay, but sharks, I didn't realize sharks would just eat anything. They, I mean, they ate that whole cart, everything in that cart. Not food, just everything. And what is their teeth made out of? Like, my gosh. I mean, it's some extremely strong organic material. Well, that's funny because sharks' teeth fall out, right? Constantly. They have, like, a ton of teeth. So, I know. They can't even they can't even brush their teeth. It's sad. Well, maybe they have admantium-laced teeth. Wolverine's going to come and Possibly. collect. Huh? Say that again? What? Oh, no. I was saying Wolverine's going to come and collect the admantium teeth away from them. I know, but that would have made sense. That means their whole skeleton would have to be made out of adamantium. These are seriously strong sharks. They're eating metal. They're going through cement. They're actually causing quite a bit more damage than they should. This woman, yeah, and finally she paints. Oh, and is this shark on rollerblades? Holy crap, that's awesome. Oh, I know. I mean, you know, it was definitely for the 90s. And she's still terrified. It's like, well, we're not going to eat you. Otherwise, we would have already, lady. See you there. And, and the here they are, just you know, follow the path right back. Pretty much, yeah. And discrimination. It's like, oh, they're giant sharks. They're monsters. Kill them. 
Don't try to figure him out. Just kill him. Look at that that cell phone. That cell phone is enormous. That actually was probably small at that time. (laughs) Yep, original cell phones and, you know, portable phones. And now they're swimming through the streets. Oh, my gosh, so much structural damage. If they if they did that, oh my God, our entire infrastructure would crumble if the, if they existed today, and just swam right through the streets. <laughs> it's that bad. I love the glasses. It's very you know. It's funny is I look at this and it's deep, but it kind of has a slight Marvel tinge to it. You know when Marvel do X Men and stuff like that, it has that kind of look, like Wildcats did as well. Yeah, I kind of see that in the background. You can tell. And he does look. Oh gosh, he does look like something that like. Some Marvel. Why is she there? Why is she there? <laughs> That's an awfully there, roomy I don't vehicle. Know I gotta say, huh? It's an awfully roomy vehicle for all of them to fit. That's for sure. Oh, definitely. You think that's? Now, it's, did, an, it's, it's an old Woody. Did you have these toys? Yes, I did. I had uh, the great white with the boots. <laughs> that's the one I had. He just pull out back his fin, and he'd open his mouth and just chop down. Nice. Was it automated? Like you pulled back on the fin, or just it was a one, like one you had to pull it every time you wanted to open the mouth. Oh, you pull it every time. Oh, okay. And they also had different variations of it. They also had like these, you know, little giant hand puppets. Like you know, they're all like muscular and rubbery. They pretty much, you pretty much just gonna like you know, hand fight with hand fight with your friend. Yeah. It's like, it's a it's a very masculine male version of patty cake. And you probably end up getting upset and angry and start hitting your friend in the face. <laughs> as, as unrealistic as it is that he was able to eat the sign and put the car in the sign, that's actually a funny idea. I know. And honestly, I, I don't see how, like, they aren't choking from all that gravel and metal, or, you know, Who getting knows? stabbed from all the metal from what they're eating. Now, it, I don't know much about sharks at all except for what I see in Jaws. Uh, sharks will eat something and they do they barf out the bones because they can't consume the bones they just uh, right or do they do they eat the whole thing i'm pretty sure they eat the whole thing really they like if they were to mow down on me they would take everything just a whole shebang would they eat my glasses or would they spit those out probably because if they can eat anything then it kind of makes sense if they're like super mutant versions then they really can eat anything <laughs> Oh, I had a friend like that. We should have called him that. Uh, it's just a street shark. Oh, wow. Uh. <laughs> Are you turning yeah, into a I shark? Yeah, I did also, like, earlier, whatever, um, yeah, sorry, like I said, it's allergy season. I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody. Please be patient. Bear with me. It's only a couple more weeks, and it will be gone. <laughs> anyway, so, <clears throat> so as far as it goes, you know, when they, they were first transforming into sharks, you could definitely tell there was like a little tribute to Jaws in that music note. It's like dun 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 dun. <laughs> Except minus eating people and blood and chum and all that. Um, I have to admit that I've lived in California quite a bit over the last ten years. I mean, back and forth from Oregon, California, Oregon, California. I have never really been in the water. Uh, Santa Barbara, I put my feet in the water, and that was it. I uh, a it's cold. B, it always looks grosser than it does in movies. And C, um, terrified of sharks. Just flat out terrified of sharks. Oh, gosh. I understand. I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, you know, they're giant creatures. But, you know, if, you know, who knows? You could be swimming along and all of a sudden you end up kicking them. They're like, hey, what'd you do that for? Don't eat me. Don't hurt me. 
probably more. They have more reason to be afraid of us than we do of them. I mean, we kill yeah, that. We true. kill thousands. Of, we kill thousands. You know, humanity kills thousands of them each year. What is it? And shark, I think a lot of shark fin soup is supposed to be like for your wee wee, right? Get it like all going. Is it? Is it? Is that one of those things where you eat shark tail? It's supposed to make you aroused? I don't know if it's an aphrodisiac. I just know it doesn't look that appetizing. I don't know why people want to keep eating it or why there's demand of such things. But it needs to go. Why the fin of all things? Like the meat itself. Okay. The fin? What's in What's in the fin? I don't know, but that's what people kill them for. Just for those fins. They just, they can make they the just cut the fin off and then they toss the shark back in the water? No, they kill the shark. Oh. It's stupid. It's very, very stupid. And it's senseless. You know, it's 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 humanity. It's rich people. They get what they want. Do you remember that movie Deep Blue Sea? Samuel Jackson. With, oh yeah. <laughs> they was, ate me. A shark ate me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it the other day. How you know there that, that she was trying to extract stuff from their brains to cure Alzheimer's diseases, and uh, it's so, it's such a weird thing to think about that these animals that are have been around forever and ever and ever. I mean, the shark is ancient. Who knows oh, yeah. what key is held in their genetic code? Beyond oh the shark fin. I mean, what what is going on with the shark? Why have they lasted so much longer than any animal on this planet? Yeah, I know. So you can say that for pretty much almost any fish, and birds too. Birds too have been around forever. Yeah, but certain birds. Uh, I was, when I would say the shark, I mean like the great white has been around since prehistoric times. I think. Yep. Uh, government's involved. Everything's going downhill. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of street sharks. And uh, we're yeah. gonna, we're gonna do Jabberjaw, but we'll just kind of flip through it real quick. That's where it says adapted for television. I'm pretty sure that wasn't based on a novel or any graphic novel. No, nah, it was a comic book for a very short period of time, but oh. uh, you know, a really short period of time. So now nah, it must have been, you know, some uh, toy cartoon ideas. Someone writes like the outline of the characters, and they're developing the toys. And they'll have someone else come in and pad it out, like a full uh, story for either a comic book or a cartoon. Sometimes the same guy, sometimes not. Dang. I had no idea. <laughs> I was only a kid. I never had an idea about anything, really. Other than what mom and dad told me. And thankfully, I don't take their, I don't take their advice these days. <laughs> At least when it comes to politics. All right. Or so thinking. here is the intro for Jabberjaw. I actually think it's quite amusing. Here we go. Oh, tribute to curly of the three stooges i you know if it was now they would totally sue the snot out of them everybody's so litigious there's no way that that would exist without somebody getting some serious kickback cash 
Oh, most definitely. Good timing. Good timing for Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. I think this came out right after Jaws, which is ironic because you, you would think that kids would not be interested in sharks because they were terrified. So I don't know what that was about. But yeah, it started in 76, so it was right after Jaws. Huh. Oh, wow. And well, uh, I guess it is produced by Hanna-Barbera, but it was actually created by Ruby and Spears, who would go off and do their own stuff within the next couple of years. And their their catalog is pretty huge. It's just not as well known as Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. Oh, I remember, I think, around late 90s, like 2000, I remember Cartoon Network, you know, whenever they would do, like, Boomerang segments or show old cartoons. Yeah. Or in between, in between some of the cartoons, they did these groovies, and they did one of Jabberjaw. I love those interstitials they used to do. That's where I first heard uh, there's a band called Junior Senior. They did a, a little short with called show, uh, Shake Your Coconuts. Do you remember that at all? Shake I don't remember coconuts. that one in particular. Shake Your Coconuts. <laughs> I just remember the uh, I just remember some of the tributes to like some of the old cartoons. Like they, they did one of Jabberjaw. They did one of Josie and the Pussycats. Like you know, just singing about Josie and the Pussycats, but like in different genres. Like yeah. you know, you know, original. Original Josie and the Pussycats, then like going 80s retro, and then 70s, and then doing like a heavy metal kiss kind of version, <laughs> and then back to regular one at the end of it. Uh, yeah, they were called Cartoon Network Groovies. There's a lot of them. I, I, oh, I miss the way that uh, that it used to be. Cartoon Network, you know, they had all these great originals, and they would throw in, you know, the reruns, especially late at night. You'd catch a bunch of Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and stuff, and that all ended in... Then it was Boomerang Network is where you went to get all the old cartoons. But now it's got to the point where all the Hanna-Barbera stuff has been ditched. And now it's like they're showing, uh, you know, Ed, Ed, and Eddie, Johnny Bravo. So And I don't have a problem with that. But where are the old cartoons now? Are they going to start Boomerang 2? Probably. Or who knows? They might add them back into the lineup. They better. I'll be upset. Uh, this was produced, and I think a lot of the design work was done by Alex Lovey, who worked a lot on like the old Woody Woodpecker cartoons. You can see a lot of his animation design, kind of the spirit of it in Jabberjaw, which is cool. And of course, Frank Welker again. I would say 90% of the cartoons that we've done, somehow Frank Welker shows up. Yeah, he's in pretty much almost everything. Man, that dude must have a good life right there. So many fans, so much support. People always want to hire him. Oh, yeah. He's just in it. He probably still... For all I know, he could still be doing it to this day. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he actually is. So basically, this is a weird cartoon because it's set underwater in the future, and somehow Jabberjaw has, like, arms. They're not arms, they're... It's weird. He acts like a human. With his fins, but... but... Yeah, it's, it's weird. I know, it's there's, like... There's time when it looks like real arms. Go ahead, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. More cross-species genetics. No. Nah. It's all there. It predicted street sharks. It was a setup for it. You know, there's That's a, what it was. There's a weird trend. I think it started with Flintstones and kind of rode out the 70s. But do you think it's weird when you watch a cartoon there's a laugh track? Some of them, yeah. I'm like, uh, why? These people aren't actually watching, you know, the cartoon being animated right in front of them and telling them the jokes. This makes no sense to have a laugh track. Yeah. You know, uh, this show wasn't on very long. It was just one season, but it was one of those things that kept getting rerun. And he would show up in other things, like I think he showed up in the Scooby Doo Laugh Olympics and the Yogi Bear sh like adventure show, stuff like that. But yeah, Jabberjaw kind of faded away, and for good reason. It's not exactly the most classic character. 
No. Well, it was, it was pretty much another ground uh, version of Scooby Doo. Yeah. Minus you know minus the uh, you know marijuana references. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, oh gosh, honestly, if if Jabberjaw ever got the munchies, he'd probably eat his friends. Probably he would be like, "Where's you, where's the rest of the Neptunes?" Uh, I have no idea. They were uh, they're outside. I think I I don't know. I gotta go. Oh my god! <laughs> I hear one guy pops out. Oh my god! I'm still alive. Help me! <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Ugh, that's so mean. That's All right. So mean. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to say about Jabberjaw. I just want to kind of throw it out there. We were talking about shark cartoons. We always do a double feature now, and I was like, "What else has it, sharks in it?" And it's such a huge tribute to you know, like I said, Curly. It's it's a, it's a, one of the most adorable of the three Stooges. You notice there's a little bit of a tribute to Roddy Dangerfield as well. When he says, oh, I get so. no respect. No respect. Oh, okay. Hey. <laughs> no respect at all. Even in hell, I get no respect. All right. So I think that's it for us here at Back in Tunes. Thank you, everybody, for another great episode. If you have any suggestions, let us know. We're always looking for a good double feature. And check us out on Facebook, Retro Rocket Entertainment. That's Michael yes, signing again. off. All right, this is Jacob signing off. Have a good night, everybody. Namaste and good luck. And um, always look twice before you cross the road and eat lots of pizza. Yep, that's my spirit advice for the day. Don't forget to drink your oval tea. <laughs> that's a better one. All right, everybody, good night. Back in Tunes. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host. Jacob, hey everybody. How have you all been? Hope you've had a wonderful St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> if you remember it at all. Oh, I do. I didn't even celebrate it. It's all yeah. a lie. I know. I think it's ironic that I'm Irish, and I was like, eh. Okay, actually, here's a, this is a lie. Uh, for the last two years, I've attempted to go to an Irish bar, uh, or a pub, I mean. And I went to one last year in Sonoma, and I got there, and they're only serving one thing. Like, they have a, a fixed menu, and it was all, like, like 20 bucks for four things. And I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to uh, I'm not gonna do that. I'm going to go. I, got, I had to wander over and found a, a pizza place. I ate there. And then this year, I tried to go into an Irish pub uh, in Depot Bay, and I got there at noon or 1230, and they were closed. Ouch. Yeah, so I ended up eating at this fish place, and my waitress looked just like Bridget Fonda, so hey, it's a win-win.
on my part. All right, hey, all right, all right, <laughs> all right. The irony is, the minute I got done eating, I started walking to the car. I saw the Irish pub had opened. Who opens at one o'clock on St. Patrick's Day? In San Luis Obispo, they would open up at six a.m. for the the pub crawl. I know that's practically blasphemous. Now about that pizza place, I want to ask: Were the toppings corned beef and cabbage? No, they were not. Uh, it was a gluten-free Good, pizza, I believe, barbecue chicken. So yeah, I didn't even stick close to yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, that's not even a traditional Irish dish. Oh, I know, I know. And St. Patrick's color wasn't even blue. Nope. I mean, it was blue, but it wasn't green. Oh yeah, that's I'm sorry. I'm, I, you know, you ever respond to something you're not really listening? I apologize. I was not really listening. You could have said, St. Patrick was actually a can of tuna fish. And I would have been like, yeah. Yeah, no, St. Patrick's Day was the day he actually died, so we're kind of celebrating his death. Gosh, we're a bunch of jerks, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we're creepy. Evil. All right. So this episode, we're doing a, a double cat feature. We're doing Heathcliff and Garfield. Meow. <laughs> All right, so um, I was trying to – we're going through the Heathcliff stuff here. And there's two different series. I want to make sure that we're on the same page with this one. Um, I have Heathcliff episode one yeah. on YouTube. Hold on. The volume is screwed up. All right, so the first episode we have up here on YouTube, uh, it's a little confusing because the show is cut up into its segments. A lot of the cartoons back in the day were cut up into you know, 10, 15-minute segments, you know, and it would go that way, or 5-minute, 10-minute, 5-minute. Uh, this one is by Spinner Uni. It's uh, Heathcliff episode one. It literally is just that first chunk, that first 10-minute episode. So whenever you're ready, let me know. Are, are we starting right now? Yeah, you want to go ahead and hit play? Yes, let's hit play. Right meow. All right, meow. Yes, right meow. <laughs> and we're starting right meow. You know what's funny is uh, that joke from Super Troopers never gets old. I love to play that on people. Just randomly throw out a meow. Yeah, I know. Sometimes it's like, have a good day, meow. Like, when I used to work in customer service, I would say that. Would you ever get stares? Like, what? Did he just say what I think oh, he yeah. said? Oh, they would kind of, like, puzzlingly, you know, puzzlingly, puzzlingly ask themselves, like, did I just hear that guy say meow? Like, as if they were walking away. <laughs> I'm like, watch, see, I'll get another one. <laughs> oh, how cool is this? Like, aren't these the alley cats? Well, the Cadillac cats? I love the theme yeah. song to this. It reminds me of Happy Days. It's very 50s retro. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely, yeah. That's what this reminds me of, Happy Days. Aw, uh, <laughs> sneaky dog. Well, the keys just as you get for, you know, abusing and whipping that dog. And, of course, the dog just pretty much got a taste of his own karma. Here's the weird thing is, it, Aww, says, look at he it says this comic strip is still in syndication. It's been in syndication since 73, but I can't remember the last time I picked up a newspaper and actually saw Heathcliff. I, it's mostly just Garfield that I see all the time. I'll have to look into this. I think I might have seen it when I was up in Oregon visiting my uh, grandmother. The mm. Great Poussin. All right, so there is two different animated series for Heathcliff. There's the 1980 series, uh, and then there's the 1984 series. I believe what we're watching right now is the 1984 series from Deke, not Ruby Spear, that has that look. Because Deke did a lot of their stuff overseas. It has the same look as uh, Inspector Gadget and Dennis the Menace. And, of course, Mel Blanc did the voice in both, I believe. Yeah. Oh, for a minute there, I thought, for a minute there, I thought the, the, the adult male was speaking. You know, like like Charlie Brown. Like, you never understand what the adults are the, uh, wah, 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 what I'm wah, saying. Wah. Yeah. But, no, it's Heathcliff just pretending to be an opera star. <laughs> and now he's very jealous. 
Now, I don't believe the first series was that successful. The second one was much more popular. I remember watching this quite a bit. Uh, I think it was on, like, I don't want to say it was after school. I want to say it was, like, on the weekends. Like, on a Sunday morning, they used to syndicate it, like, after My Secret Identity and uh, Out of This World and stuff like that. And then there was the yeah, movie. I, I remember the movie. Oh, yeah, there is a movie. I think that might be on Netflix, too. I'll have to look into it. But I will say this about Heathcliff. I would always watch it every, yeah, every Saturday morning it would be on. And it was on when I was younger. I think it was all just like reruns. Yeah. Well, they re-ran it for a really long time. I believe for a while they licensed the rights to the Ruby Spears series, and then they ran the DK and the Ruby Spears series back-to-back. That way you had more episodes to burn through. I think, yeah. I, yeah, I can only think of, like, I think the only version I did see was, I think this is the one, the Ruby Spears one. No, no, this is the DK one. You can tell the oh, it is. yeah. Look at the animation style. It's uh, you can tell it's a uh, uh, anime inspired, and it's it's more in vein with what they were doing with like I said, Inspector Gadget and Heathcliff. The the animation effects are uh, I don't want to say they're cheaper, but you can tell there's kind of a shadowy effect because I think it's less frames per second. I think they're reusing a little bit to extend the action. I will say this: Heathcliff is a very jealous and angry person. You can already tell. I mean, look at it. He's just attacking his other cat friends. It's like, why? Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. You know, it's funny. Is Heathcliff and Garfield are like yin yang. You know, Heathcliff is almost all outside, and he's kind of a rascal up to no good. And like, literally, like some of this stuff would be borderline crimes. <laughs> and you know, like, <laughs> pretty he, much, he was kind of like a tomcat. Whereas Garfield, Garfield was a house cat, a big old tubby nothing. You know, just wanted to sit around and be lazy. Whereas this Heathcliff man, he went out and got what he wanted. He was a go-getter, for sure. Yeah. And Garfield just wanted to sit around and eat lasagna all day. <laughs> I hate Mondays. And I think he, honestly, I think Garfield was a little bit of a psychopath because he was always trying to kill off Odie. Yeah. No matter how nice disturbing. Odie was to him, he would always try to kill him. Yeah, Heathcliff <laughs> would have emotional uh, outbursts, but he never really had that kind of, like, miserable, oh, everything sucks, I'm going to destroy everything that gets in my way. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I think Garfield might be a sociopath. I'm like a, I'm like a lazier version of Groundskeeper Carl, which is why I think they got Bill Murray to do the voice of him for the uh, yeah. movie. Um, Heathcliff kind of seems like Frank Sinatra of like the cat world. You know, he was emotional, but he had severe talent. He, he had his little rat pack, or I guess you want to call it cat pack. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. You know, like or that. for me, I thought he was just like a like a kid version of Fritz the Cat. Oh my God, Fritz the Cat! I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the, yeah. He, uh, Fritz the Cat is like the R-rated version of Heathcliff. It's as if someone had created Heathcliff out of the popularity of Fritz, but had to tone it down, obviously, for newspapers. Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, little kids are going to be seeing that, especially yeah. in the comic strip page. But like I said, in all honesty, I I will have to say Fritz was like very philosophical, and of course, he was in like the call. He was in like around what college years. That's like where it, that's like where it took place. Right. I'm thinking like, well, I think someone had like had an idea what was Fritz like after college. Like, did he ever make it or what? <laughs> and I think it got scrapped, and then it ended up becoming Heathcliff. Okay. <laughs> and cats hate water. This is not. Oh, come on! You can tell <laughs> this will never happen in real life. <laughs> well, oh, you know what? It does say here that both Heathcliff uh, cartoons ran together. That's weird. Both Heathcliff cartoons ran together from 1980 to 1988. That makes no sense. Whoever did this Wikipedia entry does not. That, that's impossible since the other cartoon didn't exist till 84. 
You know, I used to read this think, comic book from time to time. They had, uh, I think we mentioned it before, there was a line that Marvel put out. Around 86, Marvel was celebrating this big anniversary, and they created Star Comics and New Universe. New Universe bombed almost instantly. It was like all superheroes, but in a whole different universe untied to the rest of Marvel Universe, and no one cared. But Star Comics had something unusual. They're almost always tie-ins to either cartoons or comic books that already existed or toys. And they were known for like their He-Man, uh, Sectars, uh, Top Cat was one. I think it was Top Cat. And Spider-Ham, the amazing... Uh, Peter Porker, the amazing Spider-Ham was the most popular one. And then they had oh, Heathcliff. God. Heathcliff was actually quite popular. It ran for 56 issues. In fact, it might have been the most successful of all of the Star Comics. I'm not sure. That's a long time. I know. Honestly, I, I mean, I think Spider-Ham, I think, was definitely one of... Uh, that has like a huge cult following because every time, like an, like every time I like see like a little forum or topic or a Facebook post regarding Spider-Man, someone's always going to be mentioning it. Yeah. And even in like one of the games I played, uh, Shattered Dimensions, uh-huh. it of course had a reference to, to uh, Spider-Ham. It's it's bizarre how that will stick around. And if people ask for, oh, well, you're going to include the entire universe of Spider-Man. Well, you got to include Spider-Ham. I know, especially with like Madam Web and stuff. Like he's Kind of like, you know, with Batman comes Batmite. But I don't think they're going to be doing that anytime soon. No, no, no. At no least Batmite was a lot less popular. But Batmite, I mean, he seemed nice at first. No? He was kind of adorable. Annoying, but adorable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there really isn't much oh, to say that? about Heathcliff. Uh, you know, I mean, the cartoon was fairly popular when it came out. Of course, it had the movie. The comic strip still runs. I can't believe it's still running. Uh, you, you know what's weird is it seems like there's cartoon strips that go on, or comic strips that go on forever and ever and ever. Somewhere in this world, Beetle Bailey is still going. Wait, which one is? Beetle Bailey and Hagar the Horrible. I mean, all these cartoons, or comic strips that you think had died off long ago because no one talks about them, they still somehow stay in print, like DC. But yeah, Calvin and Hobbes, Farside, Boondocks, three groundbreaking series, gone within just like a handful of years. I know Boondocks is, I, I think, didn't Boondocks, um, get a new season you know what i think it did after a really long time they got a new season but i was thinking more of the strip itself because it's too controversial and no one would carry it uh, i thought i mean it was pretty hilarious i mean that was the first time i do remember seeing it was in the comic was in the uh, newspaper strip along with hagar the horrible hagar the horrible still around i'm looking at the, the movie here and it's another one of those that was it was produced by deke but uh it was released by was it Atlantic? Oh, Clubhouse Pictures. Atlantic Releasing had a small chunk of cash to throw around after they did Teen Wolf and Valley Girl, so they started making animated movies, and Clubhouse Pictures, I remember, they were like a small division. I think they only put them on like 400 screens at most. It made $2.5 million, so in comparison to how popular the cartoon was, comparison to the movie, yeah, you can see why that division shut down. Okay, but as far, like, how much did the movie cost? You know, I don't think these movies cost a lot at all, especially if they're made overseas. The movie probably costs like two or three million. If you talk like episodes back in the day, an episode of Heathcliff probably cost three hundred thousand dollars. Now just make that four episodes basically. So you got you know, one point two million and probably a little bit extra just to make it look more like a movie. You know, that's how the Transformers movie was. You know, the Transformer episodes I think cost like five hundred thousand, six hundred thousand, but the movie was I think ten million. It was the most expensive like cartoon toy based movie. Uh oh. And here we go. Like this scene right now just you know, Heathcliff pulled a milli vanilli. Yeah. 
before Millie Vanilli was a thing. Yep. <laughs> I think I think someone I who well I think someone pretty much sabotaged Millie Vanilli because they knew they were but they knew they were BS. Yeah. Of course, I mean if they're working backstage, you knew they knew. But I think they got their inspiration from this. <laughs> and even after all that, Heathcliff. That'd be weird if someone said role. that. Oh, well, what were your inspirations? Oh, uh, Heathcliff. Of course, the first episode. What do you, what'd you think? <laughs> like, I thought you were just, you know, very disgruntled, a disgruntled worker, and they treated you like crap. I'm like, well, they treated everybody like crap, so I, I didn't get justice for me. I got justice for all of them. <laughs> for all of them. All right, yeah, no, so all our next cartoon. Are you, are you done with Heathcliff? I, I didn't have anything else to say. Yeah. It's okay. all done. Cool. I love it when they're short, stuff like that. Sometimes there's an episode we have a lot to talk about. I really didn't have that much to talk about Heathcliff. It's kind of weird. Now, Garfield, I have a crap ton to talk about. And uh, let's go ahead with the theme song and jump into the episode. Garfield and friends. Garfield. Here we go. I'm just going to go with the I got to find it. Why? Okay, every time I, as soon as I put in G, the first thing. I apologize for that. I had a little bit of technical difficulties with the theme song. It was way too quiet, so I picked a better one. Here we go. Garfield and friends. We're, we're ready, ready to, to party. the original theme song i that must have been like halfway through the run i don't recognize that theme song at all i do now i mean now watching it it does come back to me where he did like you know have this little clash with you know all the other barn animals like over the title sequence yeah uh here's the thing is garfield and friends a lot of people have forgotten about the other cartoon strip it was called u.s acres and for a couple years it was insanely popular in fact it was more popular than garfield i believe and I don't know what happened, but it just turned, and the popularity started to dip. It didn't, like, bomb, but I think uh, Jim Davis decided to just solely focus on Garfield, keep that franchise going because it sold more merch. But I really, really loved U.S. Acres. It was so enjoyable, and I had the books, and I read it every week, and then all of a sudden, after, like, four or five years, it was just done. I don't understand why he did that. And, in fact, now that I think about it um, – the minute he stopped doing U.S. Acres to focus more on Garfield is when Garfield stopped being great and started kind of mediocre. Now, like, what, 30 years after, 35 years after its original start, it is now so tedious and dull. I don't even think he's involved anymore. I think he probably just hired out someone to do it. Oh, yeah, I mean, honestly, because looking back on it and just watching it right now, yeah, Garfield's just kind of, it's almost like watching Napoleon Dynamite. How do you mean? It's just so dull and oh, okay. somewhat lifeless and boring. Yeah, you know, uh, Garfield, I look at the animation. I started off at the very beginning um, with the books. I got the very first book, I think, when I was like five or six. So the, the cartoon had been, or the strip had been around for a while. And the animation, or the, 
I can't talk today at all. The artwork is pretty mediocre. It's like borderline high school style. It's not very good. And slowly you see over the years, and I collected all the books I think up until like 25, 26. And you know, you can see the style, it, it, it changes a lot over the years and to the point where like around 86, 87, it was at its pinnacle, I think. And all of a sudden, like 10 years ago, it just got crazy. The animation style was so over the top and erratic, I'm almost certain he hired somebody else to do it. I don't have to say, oh my gosh, I'm pretty sure anybody with a phobia for clowns is not happy right now. Oh no, have you started the episode already? Oh yeah. Oh, good God, my man. Bad. My bad. <laughs> ah, uh, go back to the beginning. Okay, so this is the original theme song. I want to play it while we watch the episode. Go ahead, go back to the beginning. Go, go, go. You can, find this up on, you can find this whole series, I think, on Netflix, and uh, the whole thing's up on YouTube as well. All right, first episode is called Peace and Quiet. And playing now. Yeah, here we go. I was going to say, was Garfield, was like the voice actor who played Garfield actually seen these? Friends are someone you can That's when the Garfield part came on. That could be Bill Murray, too, for all we know. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> no, sadly not. He didn't get involved until like, the actual movie with Frickin' Meyer and... Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, that's who it was. You know and, Jody, and Odie was an actual dog. It wasn't even animated. Oh, yeah, that was weird. I don't know how I feel about that. That was a strange, strange choice. Okay, so yeah, that was the original theme song to Garfield. So it, you can tell it's a lot different. They went kind of bonkers with the new version. I actually kind of like the newer version of the theme song. All right, so Heathcliff premiered way before Garfield. I didn't realize that. Everybody acts like Garfield was the original and Heathcliff was a ripoff, but no, it had six years on it, five years on it. Wow. Yeah, no, yeah, and like you said earlier, no, he pretty much is the opposite of Heathcliff. He's just a lazy, fat house cat. Yeah. He likes to eat lasagna and is a sociopath and tries to kill Odie. Did you know that Garfield is the most, it has the Guinness World Record for being the widely, most widely syndicated comic strip ever? No, but knowing that now, wow. And uh, the comic strip is actually set in Muncie, Indiana. Here's the funny thing is, Jim Davis, his headquarters is actually in Fairmount, Indiana. I used to live not too far away from it, and we went to Fairmount to see his museum, and it was awesome. But then we discovered that's also the location of the Jim's, uh, James Dean Museum. Because I guess as oh, wow. a child, he grew up in Fairmount. And on top of all of that, it is nerd central. At least it was then. You go into downtown, and there's six malls. And they're technically antique malls, but they're collectible malls of comic books, toys, video games, all this kind of stuff. Before eBay ever existed, you would go there, and you would find, oh, my God, I haven't seen that toy in forever. That's where I got my Savage Dragon toys. And on, oh, my God, all, all right. those G.I. Joes and you know that poster from you know Star Wars before they were easy to find. It's just... It was ground zero for nerd heaven, and wow. I don't think it's that way anymore. Oh, especially now with what Indiana's been doing, you know, their right to discriminate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, This is a cartoon yeah. show. We'll talk about this some other time. <laughs> We're not doing another cartoon show. Uh, so, you know, yeah, uh, Garfield it spawned over a billion dollars in merchandising. Uh, in comparison, I think Heathcliff may have got like 40 bucks in merchandising. Just 40? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's just you never see Heathcliff merchandise. You see Garfield stuff everywhere. Yeah, you're right. I never did see anything for Heathcliff. That was weird. Uh, it was quite bizarre. I mean, I think maybe there, one time 
There might have been like little action figurines. I don't know, or maybe even a chew toy. But that's it. Yeah. It's um, hard to remember. I'm a child. Childhood memories. They're all so repressed. Yeah. You know, besides the Garfield and Friends, you know, there was a ton of those animated specials. There was a Halloween one where he fights off the ghost pirates, which, in fact, I watch every year, and it's still kind of unnerving. It's a, it's a scary uh, uh, cartoon for kids. They did the Hawaii one. I had all the specials, too. I had the books. Uh, he did one where they went to Hawaii, and they had to sacrifice a virgin, which is weird. Uh, there's a Thanksgiving, Christmas. Um, I want to say there's there was a bunch of specials at the time. And, of course, then they went into the series. I think they did the same thing with Peanuts at the same time. I think around 84, 85, they started doing the Peanuts TV series. <laughs> Listen to Garfield making that freaking joke. That's people who seem like dead should be dragged out in the street and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly kidding, humor. Like, guys, he's encouraging. Yeah, he had kind of demented I, sense of humor. He, he was very abusive. Indeed. I mean, come on, look what he's trying to do to Odie. But still, I mean, look at this clown. Like, who, this guy's got the wrong address. There's no one named Edna there. And he straight up breaks in. He could be arrested for that crap. Come on. <laughs> oh, gosh, you're so evil. Yeah, I think uh, looking back on it, yeah, Garfield does have, did have kind of somewhat clean adult humor. It's just sad that that's kind of died out. I, is it, just reading the comic strip now, it just seems like he just do it because it's a muscle reflex. He's like, ah, oh, I guess I'm supposed to read Garfield now just not funny anymore <laughs> or maybe i just grew out of that you know i don't know yeah the two movies uh i have complete and absolute amnesia to the movies and bill murray's kind of ashamed of them he said that he signed on because he thought the cohen brothers <laughs> were writing it but it was actually uh Etten cohen or something like that who's actually a decent writer on his own but the movies just aren't very good i, I remember watching the first one and i'm like okay is this supposed to be funny i thought it was supposed to, i thought you know it had bill murray there was some hope and Jennifer Love Hewitt, but no, that wasn't enough. And honestly, I thought, I always thought Dave always wore glasses. Who? Oh, God, what's, what's Garfield's owner's name? John? Yes. Yeah, John. Okay, I always thought John wore his glasses. I don't know where Dave came from. I was thinking it was probably Dave's not here, else. man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I can't remember for the life of me who it was, but in the very beginning, there was, uh, John had a best friend. And he had like this sleazy little mustache that basically looked like a John Waters mustache. And he always used to hang out. I think what they say is the Bijou and the Regal Beagle. Oh, wait. <laughs> well, wait, the Regal Beagle, I think it's from Three's Company. But he was that kind of guy. And he was always kind of a little slimy, a little sleazy. And they got rid of him pretty fast. But I always thought he was completely hilarious. But I guess as they turned into more family fare, they ditched his, his character. And there was Nermal, the cutest cat in the world, which Garfield hated his guts. And who doesn't love the stupidity of Odie? Odie's stupidity somehow transcends reality, and somehow he is able to do things that are not feasible. <laughs> I don't even know how it's even possible. Like, he gets the absolute snot beat out of him and just bounces right back. Yeah, it's almost like Baby Huey. But hey, Baby Huey's a giant, you know, baby duck that's practically indestructible. Mm. I don't really remember Baby Huey, so I'm a little lost on that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I will Dr. Say Liz. That's the character that Jennifer Love Hewitt plays, right? Liz? He's always yeah. trying to go out with her, and he always seems to, like, ruin it for himself. Yeah, until at the end they finally get married, and then in the second movie you got Tim Curry playing an identical cat that looks like Garfield. That's right. It was a British cat, right? And he ends yeah. up going over on a vacation, which is a stupid movie. Yeah, I know. Overall, it was just bad. And why did that... <laughs> oh, God. 
clown come back? And anyone who's scared of clowns, I'm sorry. At the oh, I totally forgot I about Pookie. Do you remember Pookie, the little teddy bear that Garfield? Garfield only had one thing he ever cared about, and that was that that little lifeless, materialist little. God. Yeah, I can't find anywhere the guy that was in the car the strip with him in the beginning. Dang it! If anybody knows, let me know, cause uh, I want to know that character. He was a lot of fun. Dang. Lorenzo Music is the voice actor for the series, except for when he passed away. Uh, Frank Welker. Again, Frank Welker's everywhere. Frank Welker took over the voice of Garfield. But yeah, you know, for years I listened to this and I was so certain that it was uh, it, it, Bill Murray. and Which is funny because then he later got hired for the Ghostbusters cartoon to do his voice. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot he did Larry the Crash Test Dummy. You might be too young to remember this, but there used to be a ton of commercials for the Crash Test Dummies to teach you the I do remember up. Crash Test Dummies. Yeah, and Lorenzo I do Music remember did the voice of those. Wow, I didn't even remember that. Holy crap. And there was even a comic, uh, cartoon series, I think, for like 13 episodes where they did the Crash Test Dummies because they were like a phenomenon. Back in the day, you could turn a commercial character into this huge thing. Like, do you remember the Noid, Domino's the Noid? He was like a little red-haired guy with boinky, you know, bing, 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 you know, and uh, I, yeah, I was trying I to do ruin remember. your pizza. And there was the Little Caesars guy, he was really popular. There was the 7-Up Spot. It was, the 7-Up Spot was so popular that it got his own video game. That seems crazy. Oh, yeah, no, the little red, yeah, the little red checker guy. Yeah. He looks like a piece of che he looks like a checker piece to me. Oh, my gosh, that's really ridiculous. I can't, yeah. Oh, God. I'm thinking back, I think I rented that game one time. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good game. <laughs> Alright, so 12 Garfield television specials were produced. Garfield and Friends, I think, ran for seven years. And I was reading uh, about this. is The Garfield and Friends series only ended because of budgetary reasons. CBS itself wanted to cut back on how much it was spending on cartoons. It had nothing to do with the popular Garfield. If CBS had ponied up the cash, Garfield probably could have continued for another three or four years easily. That's too much. Yeah, lame. <laughs> what? Oh, ten years of Garfield? It's too much? Yeah, I know. I'm like, that's too much Garfield. <laughs> Maybe. But, you know, cartoons could last forever and a day if they wanted to, but for some reason they just canceled it. I think the longest-running cartoon is probably Scooby-Doo. Oh, God, yeah. That cartoon's never gone away. Yeah, most of the cartoons we talk about, though, they only lasted a season or two at best. But, yeah, this is probably the longest-running cartoon I think we've ever discussed. Crazy. Yeah. You know what's strangely still going on? What? Power Rangers and Pokemon. Those things are never going away. They're never ending. Power Rangers, and now that they've had that new boost of popularity, I guess there's a new movie coming, and there's the whole thing with uh, the underground film that was banned for a while. And Oh, yeah, that? the one by uh, Adi Shankar. Yeah, what was the other one you just said? The one by Adi Shankar? No, 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 the other cartoon you said oh, it goes on uh, forever. Pokemon. Pokemon. Pokemon's still going, really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't Crazy have no enough. idea. I know. But here's the thing. Power Rangers, I mean, yes, there was that boot that, you know, Lionsgate was going to do a movie about it. And then there's some concept ideas, and Adi Shankar came up with this, like, trippy idea. I watched that video, and I wasn't too impressed. I was Because, honestly, I can't take Power Rangers seriously no, at all, no, it's no matter what you do with it. <laughs> I'm still just going to sit there and laugh and go, oh, my gosh, they're still using those same names. They're still Rangers. Vulcan Skull. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Howdy, right, so, Shankar. I love what you did with Dread, but come on. So Garfield and Heathcliff. Garfield's still going as an animated series here and there. They do specials. Do you think there's any chance that Heathcliff will ever come back, or is it of-the-moment kind of cartoon? I think... Well, 
depending on what you could do with Heathcliff, like if you wanted to make it a little bit more uh, for a more mature audience, then I think it could come back. Yeah, if you if you made it more risque and added it to Adult Swim, yeah, it would take off. <laughs> Almost everything on Adult Swim still, t- you know, just takes off. Yeah, it's weird, and I don't even watch Adult Swim anymore because they kind of just I don't know the cartoons don't interest me anymore, especially since half the stuff they air isn't even a cartoon anymore. What the hell is that about? Throw that stuff on Comedy Central. I don't want to see. I mean, Children's Hospital is not a cartoon. I don't understand. Yeah, that was pretty weird. I mean, it is pretty funny, but I'm just, I'm a little bit, I was like, wait, where's the cartoons? Where's Metalocalypse? I miss <laughs> Metalocalypse. Yeah, I think all they have left that's worth anything to me is Venture Brothers. Oh, yeah, that one's, oh, God. Frog right, Stampin', that's it. <laughs> all right, so before we wander off too far away from our point, uh, thank you, everybody, for supporting us. Our episodes are getting more and more popular. I can't believe the downloads we're getting on some of our stuff. That Hawk Savage Dragon episode is blowing people off the charts. And that sentence made no sense, but whatever. Um, I'm, I'm very appreciative of this. Oh, yeah. I mean, considering you think about it, you know, Hulk is gaining popularity because, you know, Avengers, and people will want to see a standalone Hulk film. I mean, Captain America is getting his own movies. Civil War is going to be coming out <clears throat> next year. And also, people are wondering, like, when's Hulk going to get another movie? Like, what, and what are they going to go with? Is Abomination, Abomination going to be back? What's going on? Ah, move on from that. All right, so uh, they've got to have a better villain. So here's the schedule we have kind of in mind. Uh, we had actually a confusion. You thought we were going to do this in episode next week. We were doing Speed Racer. We never found a good companion for Speed Racer. But next week, just in time for Fast and Furious, we're going to pick two car cartoons. We're going to do Speed Racer and Pole Position. And yeah. uh, after that, I was thinking we're talking doing DuckTales and uh, Chippendale. Oh, that was perfect. We should definitely do that. And that should be just in time for the new Avengers movie to be released. And we will do the uh, Iron Man cartoon from 96, as well as the Fantastic Four cartoon from the 80s. I want you to see the 80s version, because they got rid of Human Torch, and they threw in Herbie the Robot, because they thought kids were going to set themselves on fire. Oh, my God. You have to Isn't see Isn't that the same excuse they used for, you know, taking out uh, Human, by adding in Firestar instead of Human Torch? They took... No, that was the same excuse, you know, lighting themselves on fire? No, no, I'm sure Firestar, well, I mean, she wasn't literally on fire. She, like, shot out heat rays, like microwave rays. Yeah. Which seems more dangerous. Microwave rays just being shot at people? Ooh. <laughs> they could melt. You should, melt. you should be melting. Why does everybody on our team have cancer? I don't know. Is it because of the microwave radiation coming off this lady right here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So uh. I think that's it for us. Thank you, everyone. I'm Michael All signing right, off. I'm Jacob signing off. Namaste and good luck. Be sure to tip your waitress. And be excellent very hard. to each other. Here he comes. Here comes Speed Racer. He's a demon on wheels. He's a demon and he's gonna be chasing after someone. Go speed racer, go speed racer, go speed racer.
Welcome everybody to Back in Tunes. Obviously right there we have our setup. We're going to be watching Speed Racer. Our second cartoon is going to be Pole Position. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host... Jacob, here, watch me do this donut. <laughs> that, oh. is, that is a really fun tune. That is one of the best theme songs I think we've ever had on here. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, it brings back so many memories. I remember staying up late at night just to watch this cartoon. My parents would let me because, you know... Sympathy, because they did the same thing when they were younger. They watched this cartoon a lot. I'm surprised it was on so late. Cartoons, when I was a kid, man, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to find a cartoon that late. It was like, at best, you find a Cartoon Network uh, when I was in my uh, 20s. Oh, well, you know, hey, I was a little kid at the time, man. Yeah. What can you expect? Well, if you had the Cartoon and, Network. See, I never had the Cartoon Network until uh, 2001. Oh, wow. I know, I know. Well, it's okay. I understand. I lived in a small but town. We didn't carry Cartoon Network until then. <laughs> That's right. Oh my gosh, the elder days of television. Before well, also the Midwest, came. the Midwest man, it was really a stranglehold. We had thirty-six stations, thirty-six, dude. And the day that it went to my forty-five, God. we're like, oh my, forty-five channels. And that's when we finally got the Cartoon Network. And we're like, wee. And now yep, it's like, I know. how many channels are there now? How many channels? Lots. A thousand. Lots probably. and lots. Now we have streaming. Hundreds. Oh. All right, so uh, we're talking about Speed Racer first. So the very first episode is available on YouTube. It is called The Great Plan. It is part one. We're only going to do part one, or we're going to be here for hours. So um, if you want to get the episode ready, we're going to talk about it while it plays. All right. Set. Go. All right. Wonderful intro. Okay, we get to see the Mach 5 and Speed just jump right into it. Now, that whole scarf around his neck... um, but did all racers used to have that kind of thing? Was that the style? You know what? I have seen that in some other stuff where they're wearing an, uh, what is it, an ascot? Is that what that is? A dicky is where it's like goes down under the shirt, right? An ascot's just like the scarf. Actually, now that I think about it, it seems like it was in a few cartoons. Didn't Fred from Scooby-Doo wear one of those? He did. He was, that, was one of his, that was one of his most redeeming qualities, always having that freaking scarf. <laughs> just because he was a leader. He was the leader of the gang, and he had to show his dominance with the power of a scarf. Power scarf. That's something you'll never oh, no. hear. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so these races that just from this intro, you see these, you just see you know speed racer knock a guy off and then the car explodes. So I'm like, these people die in these races? <laughs> is that even legal? Is this under is this underworld stuff right here? Up oh, and there's that classic pose right in front of the Mark Five. You can tell this is you know animated. This is uh, overseas animation. Oh yeah yeah. Well, it was one of the first cartoons to use the speed lines, too, which is kind of common now. But, you know, uh, in order to actually get speed with limited animation, that's something they designed. And I was like, that's a clever idea. Even back in the day when I was a little kid, I was like, I've never seen anything like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, you can definitely tell. It's like kind of still, it's like the same, it's like pretty much the same photo being shot over and over and over again, especially on the raceways. Yeah. And we had to save money. Uh, you know, animation, even if it was an American company, was extremely limited in what they could do for the money. I mean, what is it? A Johnny Quest was huge budget back in the day. But if you look at it now, it's like, oh, wow, they had no money to do this properly. No, that was just early stages of animation. Let's not discriminate here or second guess like that. Come on, kids. Um, so the funny thing is the title is actually called Mach Go, Go, Go. And I actually kind of like that name a little bit better than Speed Racer, which sounds like sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> Mock, go, go, go. I don't know. 
I don't know, but I'm pretty sure, like, in the Japanese voice casting, you know, they shouted that numerous times. Pretty much almost every time, pretty much every animation, every animation, animated, uh, Japanese animated cartoon I watch, I always, when I hear it in the Japanese audio track, they definitely are a little bit more enthusiastic than they should be. Yes. <laughs> like, go, Speed Racer, go! Like, that's what you hear in the Japanese track, is, oh, Speed Racer, go! <laughs> no offense, no offense, but I mean that's just my interpretation from what I've heard so far. Well, it's higher energy. I, I would say we're kind of subtle with some of our stuff. Like you notice the comedy is different over there as well. It's a little um, bigger. Like what was the movie, Mr. Magoo, the movie with uh, Leslie Nielsen? It was directed by Stanley Tong, who had done Rumble in the Bronx, and his approach to comedy is very over the top, hyper realism, uh, exaggerated movements, and it's something that works oh, over yeah. there. But when it came over here, we're just like, what is going on? There's not even a single subtle moment in this whatsoever. That just seems so ridiculous. I mean, it is like watching those Japanese game shows, too. Oh my gosh, those are really outlandish and out there. It's like, if you think people go crazy on The Price is Right, when do you watch that? <laughs> what is the show where it's like, um, you know, it was on, uh, I want to say TBS or something, where they took out all the audio and they had these improv actors come in and do the most ridiculous, most extreme elimination challenge. Who's? Oh, I thought it was whose line is it anyway? No, no, it's a most extreme elimination challenge. It was a Japanese game, and they took out all the audio and they had all these comedians come in and overdub it. It's the most. Have you never seen this? I have. Yeah, I have watched this. I'm thinking back now. Yeah, they see some of the most ridiculous stuff. <laughs> it's. I mean, oh. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure the hosts were, like, dressed up in, like, these big outlandish, like, samurai garb. Yeah, but that's what makes it so enjoyable. I mean, I remember the first time I saw, uh, what's the cooking show where it's really disgusting? It's like uh, they have one thing, and then everybody gets together, and they have to make all the stuff, but then they have a panel of people to talk about it. What the hell is that show? Uh, Iron Chef. That's uh, oh, Iron, Iron Chef. Chef, the original version of Iron Chef, it was like a 50-50 shot on whether the food was going to be like, oh, okay, pork. And the next one, uh, eagle's eyes. You're like, what? They, they actually got enough eagle? That's disgusting. But I have to keep watching this. What are they going to do with that? Exactly. Or like what they do with bamboo. I mean, Morimoto was in it one time, and he, that was the main ingredient. Wow. But I will say, okay, I will say this one about Speed Racer, they're definitely capturing the enthusiasm. Yeah, and it's hard to do that with a cartoon. A lot of the stuff's really stilted. Oh, by the way, we just did an episode of Trash Cinema where we discussed the Speed Racer movie. Now, did you see the movie? Oh, I did. I saw it in theaters. What did you think? I Like I said, for what it was, I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was fun. It did kind of like capture some of the classic Speed Racer moments. Yeah. But when, when they tried to, like, I think there was that one scene with Racer X played by, uh, you know, Matthew Fox, Jack from Lost. Uh-huh. He, uh... The way he was trying to characterize or humanize racing, you know, it's like, we do not change racing. What ha the problem is, we let racing change us, you know. Which is a terrible you know, line, so, but it's so campy. It was. It was. It was just some campy, I guess they were trying to put too much of that, like, little Matrix twist of philosophies into that movie. You know, the funny oh, thing is, yeah, I, the first time I saw it, I actually couldn't finish it. It was extremely painful for me. And if I had seen it in the theater, I'm pretty sure I'd be throwing up because uh, the action is almost uh, – I couldn't tell what was going on. It's just a bunch of globs ramming at each other, just like candy-coated nightmare of a movie. And it, But I love the scenes with the family. The family is so much fun. I would literally watch a whole movie of that monkey and that little kid just goofing around. Bridal and Chim Chim. Yeah, yeah. Thank Oh, you. my God. Those kids <laughs> – those were some of the most entertaining, especially when they get that candy sugar rush yeah. and they're just driving <laughs> in that little go-kart throughout the factory. 
that was that was classic. I was like, okay, now that's the most one of the most enjoyable scenes I've seen in this movie. Honestly, I liked the racing part too. I was like, whoa, that's that's definitely something I'd see in the cartoon. Yeah, it was and pretty just, like, close. Little, it's just like, it's just the way they filmed it. I couldn't tell what was going on. It's like the, it's like the way Michael Bray uh, he directs his fight sequences. It's just a bunch of oh. random things bashing at each other. I'm like, wait, what's that? I can't tell who is who. But uh, the movie isn't anywhere nearly right. as bad as his ham-handed kind of nonsense. But you know, the Wachowski brothers—they made a campy movie on purpose because it is based on a cartoon and i just don't think people were ready for that and on second right. viewing i enjoyed it more i'll probably watch it again a few years down the road and my opinion might even yeah. change more for the better me too i mean plus visually i thought it was fantastic i mean you're looking at it it is very much like cartoony and you know the way it was like shaded was like looking at a graphic novel too yeah it has a lot of pop man the movie but uh, uh, the action sequences i'm gonna have to sit farther back and maybe not pay attention because i was like oh give me a drama me now yeah and then oh gosh christina i, like, I also like christina ricci as Tri trixie i thought she was she was perfect plus it's christina ricci absolutely love her no. loved her since she was wednesday <laughs> john goodman was the one i went with he was like pitch perfect for the yes. character pop playing pops pops um, you know being kind of stubborn and like anti anti-corporate and he was right to do so because look what they were trying to do yeah that's one thing that i don't think they had in the cartoon was there wasn't really much social political stuff going on with it whereas they added that to the movie and gave it a lot of depth and it was perfect timing because that was right as all the corporations really started getting overblown and corrupt and going bankrupt because of overspending and just minute i mean they're still doing it today i mean you look at some of the companies we, we try to get political on the show but you look at a lot of companies and they're just like how is this legal how is this legal exactly Exactly. It's like they're more profitable than ever, and they're still asking for bailouts. And they're giving them, I mean, J.P. Morgan and Chase, uh, I think I think a couple of years ago, gave themselves $91 billion in, in bonuses. That's ridiculous, and we're footing the bill. But, um, yeah, let's try not to go too far on that, but definitely it's something to, uh, food to chew on when you watch the movie is because they really kind of like, hey, let's not ignore this. Yeah. Um, so here's the weird thing is I thought the show was on forever, but it was only on for one year, 52 episodes from 67 to 68. That's crazy. I, yeah. I, I thought it was on for a long time. You know, and it, it, there's a manga. How do you say it? Manga? I always say this wrong. Manga, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on one second, Michael. Okay. Yeah, so Speed Racer, um, the movie is fine. The cartoon is something like uh, we've had this discussion in other cartoons. Um, if it was anime, it was very hard for me to find because this stuff did not get carried in Indiana. Um, I think there was four Asians in all of Indiana at the time. <laughs> That's how bad oh it was. God. So there's like, eh, they don't have any interest in it. Not, <laughs> not realizing that there's a huge market with everybody. I mean, everybody loves anime now, but back then it's oh, yeah. kind of alien. I mean, we didn't get Voltron. We didn't get Speed Racer, no Astro Boy. Um, uh, Digimon. I mean, we, the first thing I think we ever got was Pokemon because it's such an insane franchise. What's the other robot one? Uh, Robotech. We never got that. Gundam. Nothing. Oh my gosh. None of these. So I've never. I, I have in fact. I have never seen Robotech. Dang man. Oh my gosh. You definitely are missing out. It is a classic. Especially. I mean, it's not just like about giant robots, but also about like you know alien invasions and you know uniting the uniting the entire Earth. I mean, that's how it starts off at first, and then it really just branches on. But knowing that Sony Pictures acquired the rights to do a Robotech movie, I'm hoping they'll do a great job. I'm hoping they'll do a great job. Yeah, and it's it's I, it's embarrassing that we didn't get these cartoons, and yet, for some reason, I got to see Chuck Norris and the Karate Commandos. A classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, yes. But, yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, let's see. I mean, as far as the other anime Race action movies. I know they're going to be doing Ghost in the Shell with Scarlett Johansson, which I'm not really looking forward to because I don't really care much for it. 
I mean, I've watched it a couple times. Hey, you know, I gave it some credit, but, you know, just won't do anything for me. You know, I love but, the car. I have to say this. The Pilot, what is it called? The Pilot Ace. The design of this car is so amazing for something in a cartoon to look even cooler than most of the stuff that they even did in a movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. However, I will say this. Like, what they did in the movie... With a well, the Speed Racer movie, what they did, like the look of the car too, and just like getting it really detailed, and you know, with all the inventions and <clears throat> little gadgets inside the Mach Five. Yeah, those are I, crazy. I was, yeah, no, I was really impressed, and I thought some of the races were really intense and you know, really adrenaline fueled. Well, I'll say this: the logistics of some of the stuff that he does with the car, I'm not so sure it fits, but you know, whatever, yeah, it's a cartoon. I know, like. I'll, bouncing off of other cars and stuff. I'm like, well, but still, it, I mean, they were adding, the Wachowskis were adding, like, a cartoon element to it because, you know, Speed Racer was based off the cartoon. Right. But I don't remember, I don't, okay, right now, as we witnessed Spratle crying, I don't remember him crying at all like that in the movie. No, no, that kid was cool in the movie. He had kind of like a, a little spark to him, a little uh, uh, a little bit of a rebellious nature to him, which I enjoy to no end. Oh, yeah. Plus, he had a pet monkey. That was awesome. Oh, that monkey's awesome. Seriously, I, I would I would watch a whole series with just him and the monkey. Oh, I know. Just like going on their little, like, you know, the, like they're detectives or something. Yeah. That'd be perfect. That or just a whole uh, series where you just give them cart- uh, tons of candy and they freak out. Just, I'd watch 20 minutes of them freaking out. I know. Like, that's, that, oh, I think back then, uh, oh, gosh, I think probably at least until, you know, like Macaulay Culkin, I'm pretty sure kids just got paid in candy. Did you ever read the comic book? You might have been too young for that. But there was a, a a series from Now Comics. Now Comics was kind of like Dark Horse, where they licensed a bunch of stuff. They had a few original stuff like Ralph Snark, but they would license out, you know, known uh, comic books or known characters, or whatever, and then develop a series around them. Like they had uh, the real Ghostbusters and Fright Night, and they had Speed Racer. And so I remember Speed Racer being very popular, being probably one of their best known series, but. Sadly, now oh, comics, yeah. they never really had much success, and they just kind of collapsed. True. Sad, but true. A lot of independent comic book companies, they think they can spend tons of money on uh, licensing, and it never follows through, and then all of a sudden they got nothing else. Like, ah, crap, we're broke. Right. I honestly keep expecting Dark Horse to go under because they spent so much money on licensing, and now the whole Star Wars, Indiana Jones thing is gone. Really? I thought they were doing really successful with Knights of the Old Republic. They made games based off those stories. What game? Well, at least in uh, the Knights of the Old Republic, they actually based like a little story arc around the time those stories happened. Yeah, least, like, but they, they made money then, but that was a long time ago, and they've done a lot of... Uh, yeah. There was a period where they had too many series, and they were all bombing, and they just lost a lot of money. And then when um, Disney acquired Marvel, they said, well, why would we sell the rights to another company so once it expired with dark horse they just took it back now star wars and indiana jones are now being produced by marvel comics oh well yeah it makes sense now that you know disney owns both of them and they're gonna i mean in creative hands i think that's a good idea i mean with what marvel's doing although as far as you know marvel discontinuing deadpool and fantastic four until they get the movie rights back i think that's kind of a that's that's a really really stupid idea it burns the fans i don't know what they're thinking i know and I mean, not, oh, I don't know how can they how can they get the rights back for Deadpool? I mean, they'd have to get all the X Men. I don't know what's going on, but Marvel seems like they're making some extremely stupid decisions, at least from a fan standpoint. Oh yeah, definitely. I will say that speaking of Deadpool, they have they are doing principal photography, and by far, I think it's just perfect considering like you know the revealing Deadpool's costume how he's laid out on the like the fur the <laughs> fireplace in the background. That's totally Deadpool. 
All right, so back to Speed Racer. Uh, yeah, the Now Comics series lasted for quite some time. They gave spinoffs. You know, Racer X is an awesome character, especially visually. I love the look oh, of him. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, and they gave him a bunch of spinoffs, and, and they tried, like, 3D comics. It just never really took off. Uh, but then when the license lapsed and Now Comics shut down, uh, Wildstorm, which is I – think, I think Wildstorm was Jim Lee's company. Uh, they did Racer or Speed Racer for a while, and uh, they got bought out – by DC Comics, so I don't know where who owns the right to Speed Racer right now, which is kind of a bummer. Right now, that little technique that Pops used to like put that ink onto the windshield, yeah, it's like it's very risky, but yet so far away from harm because nobody would have uh, suspected that. Huh? Maybe next time when I break into a auto parts store and try to find their plan for a new engine, I just know where to look now. Ha <laughs> ha. Then again, I'm not an evil genius, nor would I ever want to break in a place. Can, can you imagine the fear? God, <laughs> being real, I'd be scared out of my mind. Just also, it's like, you know, I break into a place, all of a sudden, like, this person turns on the lights. I'm like, oh my God, you scared me. And then I just walk out. And the person would be paralyzed, and the other, you know, the tenant of whose house I, I was breaking into would be like terrified beyond relief and be like, what just happened? <laughs> Jeez. You know, I didn't know that there was another series in 1993 where it was uh, they took the anime style out and they made it just a generic American cartoon. Yeah, I think yeah, I know they did relaunch and reboot the uh, Speed Racer cartoon. I think around late 90s. Yeah. Yeah, and I even had the action figure of Speed Racer and all that. I just never had Mach Five. Oh, but, you know what? I know this company. This is the same company that did uh, the James Bond Junior cartoon that we discussed uh, last month. Yeah, they're they're like they look like they're an anime company from, but they're not. They're uh, like a British, no Irish company. So I don't know what an Irish company is doing wow. Speed Racer for. That seems kind of sacrilegious. It's like uh, when Americans do Godzilla movies, without any input from the yeah. original company. Yeah, it is. Well, I'll do, I do want to, I do want to say this about Racer X. Uh, yeah. When you were mentioning his little spinoff, I'm like, yeah, that guy could totally have spinoffs. I mean, he he was my favorite character, honestly. I mean, you know, he was. Secret agent, you know, he was, you know, he was total action man. Well, yeah, if you look at the character, he's very uh, anti-hero, and who doesn't love an anti-hero? Heck, I mean, he even had the, like, X across his face on his mask. That's, that's like, the, that's how, like, Cyclops looks modernly you in Marvel now. You know what's weird? You know weird is you mentioned something about uh, Deadpool earlier, and I remember for a while there, Deadpool was gone. He melted down to some blob of goo, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there comes a character called Agent X. Who everybody thought was Deadpool but wasn't, but he had almost the same exact look as Racer X. That's kind of weird and litigious. <laughs> hmm. Very peculiar. What are they up to now? But you know, as far as it goes for um, like reading the actual comics, eh, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, it's yeah, I don't know. Like I, I'm, I don't really read too much of Marvel. I mean, like I'm more of a DC fan, but. Considering like what they're doing so far in the cinematic universe, I think they're doing a great job, except for Ghost Rider. <laughs> well, yeah, that's always a sticking point with people. You know, I think yeah. uh, I, I'm a DC person, too. I love the rich history of it, but uh, I'll grab a good Marvel comic here and there. But what irritated me is that we're stuck in the superhero world. Why is it that we can't make more independent comics successful? I mean, it seems like once a year something comes out that's decent, and the biggest success has been Walking Dead. But why is it like, uh, oh, why can't Speed Racer be relaunched? Now, I remember when, this, when the Speed Racer series came out from Wildstorm, they said it was going to be like the biggest thing, and it didn't take off at all. 
Maybe these kind of oh, comic yeah. books, if they're not in a costume, for some reason people just don't find it appealing. And I have no idea why. Oh, honestly, for me, Question, I thought Question was very appealing as far as DC characters go. I mean, like I said, you know, he just had a simple trench coat. All he did was just cover his face. He was yeah. no, he was like, you know, pretty much like no face from Dick Tracy. Yeah, you know, uh, the question is a really good character. Dennis O'Neill did a fantastic job on him, but I, I, is he even around right now? Is anybody using that character? Because I feel like he's kind of off in limbo. Well, I know. As far as like the question goes, I mean, it's brought back as a girl, and it's Renee Montoya from oh, you know the Batman. Right. I totally forgot about that. The original guy died, and that's I hate it when they do that. They just kill the guys off. Oh, time to move on. Yeah, but, it is sadly. Yeah, but there sadly, will always be one speed racer. You think you think they'll ever move Speed Racer on, and then uh, it'll be the little boy, it'll be Spritel. Maybe he'll, he'll perhaps, take over. Who knows? <laughs> and Chim Chim will be like his co-pilot. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like and who then, knows? Chim Chim could probably throw like little gadgets, you know, really throw them off. And then maybe Sp- Speed Racer would become Racer X, and then Racer X would become like the head of the, the spy unit, like the way Nick Fury is. Yeah, like uh, Inspector Detector. Jeez, some of these explosions are pretty horrifying for a kid to watch, man. These people are getting... I don't see them leaving. I don't see them escaping. I'm seeing them blow up. Okay, that person is dead. This is a cartoon. There's dead people left and right. This is insane. I'm pretty sure. I mean, they don't even... They can't even draw a guy oh with like a little parachute. Yes, exactly. Look, it's like he, like he doesn't... Eject, there's no ejector seats? No, this is not G.I. Joe where everybody saw them. Like, oh, oh they're, they're safe. These people are not safe. This is horrifying. For <laughs> a cartoon. It is. Like, gosh, it's... It's a, it's like racing in this world. It's like yeah, you know, it's 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 like the normal thing to do. It's pretty much like death race. Yeah, you know, it's we, practically death race minus being in prison. Yeah, or well, you know, the first one's not in prison. You you've seen the original with David Carradine? Oh yes, that's right, the original one. Yeah, lots of yeah. satire, lots of outrageous, goofy behavior. Yeah, they're just in it for the money, man. They're not criminals. I know this is so. It's like so bizarre, and you know, we applaud. You know, kids will like you know watch and applaud this. Like they're hoping. They just want him to, you know, actually ram a guy off the side of the street. They want him to kill. It's kind of sickening. I like oh the snidely whiplash mustache of the villain. Yes. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. From, um, oh, Wacky Races? Like yeah, an old yeah, cartoon? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Well, actually, I think <laughs> Snidely Whiplash is from Dudley Do-Ray, but there's a lot of villains that have those little 1920s, vaudeville kind of mustaches. Exactly. I was just about to mention that. Next time I talk to my friend who has those kind of mustaches, I'm like, okay. Uh, which villain are you right now? <laughs> get him, get him a monocle for Christmas. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and he does. And one of my friends who has that kind of mustache, he is a little overweight. So I'm like, oh my gosh, here, take this umbrella and this top hat too. Oh my god, you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for Speed Racer. Uh, we're gonna take a brief break and then we're gonna hit up a uh, pole position. From now on, like your parents were. Are the secret force of whole position. They're moving real fast, they're the only ones who Let's can get there on time. Okay, sis. And never too far behind, they're always fighting crime. Sometimes they're ready when you are, Rhodey. In the danger zone. Pretty soon they'll be off on a mission. Hydrofoil mode, Rhodey. Behind the Only there are 
So that's pole position. Um, the first episode is up on YouTube, incomplete. It's called The Code. The If you want to find the proper user, Samtron313 is the right uh, uploader. The other one's kind of cut up in chunks. So whenever you're ready, just go ahead and hit play. You ready? All right. Ready? Yeah. Speaking of, yeah, Ooh. I'm good. Ready, set, go. Go. <laughs> what were you okay, saying? Now we're, now we're singing. <laughs> okay, I have to say, did, did Kenny Law, is Kenny Loggins singing this? Intro. It song. sounds like I, a Kenny Loggins ripoff, that's for sure. Definitely. And I don't remember pole position ever, like the cars actually morphing into something else. I just remember it being a very tough and difficult racing game. Uh, you know what? There's no plot to pole position as far as I know, so I don't know where they came up with that. Well, it's a cartoon. They thought, you know, hey, kid will like it. Oh, look. Is that cat talking? Wait, this animation looks familiar. This, who did the animation for this cartoon? Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Okay, it does look awfully familiar. I want to say... Uh-oh. Oh, you know something suspicious is going on when people nod at each other at a stadium. Uh-oh. It's Deke. Uh, you know, they did Inspector Gadget, and uh, actually, it's probably the most well-known. We, we discussed some of their stuff from here and there, but uh, they didn't have, like... If you were to line up all the successful animation companies of the 80s, they're probably about fifth. You know, they had some decent stuff, but nothing really groundbreaking. For me, it was the most memorable because I would see that almost all the time after every cartoon I ever watched <laughs> growing up. But, okay. <clears throat> oh, speaking of Tron, yeah, Olivia Wilde's going to be in, you know, she's confirmed to play Korra again. Yes, I'm very, very happy. You know, I will say, I wonder if they're going to bring in uh, any of the characters from the cartoon show, the one that had Elijah Wood in it. Oh, you know what? I totally forgot there was even a series. Oh, yeah, it was a great series, too. I mean, it got, I thought it was, I thought it was great. It looked fantastic. And, you know, talking about, like, what was happening in between, you know, you know, <clears throat> the 20-year gap between, you know, the events of Tron Legacy from when Flynn was stuck, from oh, when yeah, yeah, Flynn yeah. was stuck in the grid, and leading up to, you know, Sam coming in. So I just want to say, I, oh, go ahead. Plus, uh, as far as, like, you know, design goes, I mean, Joseph Kaczynski's not going to do, like, the same thing. He's going to take it, uh, you know, much further. Yeah, he's not going to repeat himself. Uh, well, I think it's going to take place on, in our world. The Tron world's going to leak over to our world. Oh, yeah. that was, Yeah, no, that is, I mean, considering, you know, Sam, you know, Sam getting out with, you know, Korra. But then again, like, pretty much that whole way station, after blowing up that entire station and then the portal closing. Yeah. Maybe Flynn's explosion might have left the hole open. Who knows? Um, but anyway, back to we'll the wait show. Till yeah. Uh, yeah. So Deke is the company that produced this. Uh, we've discussed a few of their shows. Um we had done uh, Teen Wolf. Me and my friend Ron did Teen Wolf. But I thought there was another one that we just we talked about, but I'm not really seeing it here. What they're known for, uh, their shows are, are not really that successful. They had Heckle and Jekyll for a couple of years, Popeye for a few. Uh, Fat Dog with the Cosby Kids is probably the most successful show. Oh, definitely. Um, there's some here. like I've seen almost every single one of these cartoons. None of them are really that good, but they're always kind of like cult followings. There's Drac Pack. There was Quickie Koala Show, uh, Black Star, Gilligan's Planet. Literally, Gilligan's Island, but set on a planet. Uh, one that I was fascinated by as a kid, which no one seems to have any memory of, is Meatballs and Spaghetti. It was uh, a fat guy, Meatball, and a skinny girl, Spaghetti, and they were in a rock and roll band with their dogs, and they went around they gone adventures. It was crazy. Um, Dungeons and Dragons, 
that's really well known. They did the Charlie Brown and Snoopy show, Get Along Gang. Oh, oh Muppet Babies. Everybody knows Muppet oh, Babies. Oh, my gosh, yes. Muppet Babies, yes. That was one of the ones I knew big time. I think before I knew actual Muppets. Yeah. There were always Muppet Babies. Uh, Galaxy High, which I watched like a fiend. Um, and, of course, their most notorious show uh, when it comes to like controversy is the Mighty Mouse, uh, the new adventures from 87, 88, because it was constantly thrown in all these things that were like, whoa, is that allowed on a kid's show? We should discuss that one sometimes because it's pretty outrageous. Indeed. Now, uh, now I'm guessing here, pole position, I guess, these two, like, you know, this racing duo between brother and sister, or I guess driving some high-tech gear? Like, they're, they're pretty much like, you know, can't happier versions of Knight Rider. You know what? It, it, you have to say there's probably an influence of Knight Rider in this. You know, I, I honestly, I played the video game as a kid. I don't remember there being a plot whatsoever, so they must have just hired a, a, a crew just to come up with some random stuff to throw in, which is strange because there was a handful of cartoons based on video games around that time, and the games kind of had a plot you could hinge on to. This is one where they're just like, it just has to have cars in it. Just do whatever. Just have cars. All right, cool. The only one... <laughs> the only Nintendo games that I remember ever playing that had plots were Super Mario and, you know, Batman. Yeah, well, I mean, there's Bare Bones plot to uh, Pac-Man, which is a really good cartoon. Uh, so oh, yeah. it's something. Donkey Kong had a little bit of a story, so, you know, there's that. Yeah, Donkey Kong, oh, wait, there was an actual animated show in the 80s. I was thinking of a 3D animated one in, like, early 2000s. Oh, yeah, no, there's a cartoon called Saturday Super Kid, which I would love to cover when, uh, what's that movie again with Adam Sandler coming out? Pixels? Oh, yes. Well, it, Saturday Super Kid was from the same company that did uh, this. And they had Frogger, Donkey Kong Jr., Donkey Kong, uh, Qbert, and I think there's a couple others mixed in there, and it's a lot of fun. Super Mario, Super Brother Show with uh, Lou Ferrigno? Oh, no, yeah. no, no, no. Lou Albano. Lou Albano, yeah. Me, Lou Albano. Hey, Paisano. <laughs> it's a me, a Mario. Actually, there, you got it right. You got it right. He had more of a gruff voice. Uh, pole yeah. position is. Uh, it's probably a game that's actually really forgotten, but at the time, it was huge. Uh, it's a Namco game. Uh, Namco um, made a few sequels to this, but in 1983, it was the highest-grossing arcade game in North America. 20,000 machines were sold for a total of $61 million. That's just oh the God. machines. That's not counting the money that it actually brought in. And uh, yeah. I mean, just it's stunning that it was so successful, but I think it's a pretty much forgotten game. Oh, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure they covered, some, or at least, like, made an homage to that in Wreck-It Ralph. You know, with uh, Turbo-tastic? Yeah. That turbo. It might be. You know, I haven't even watched all of Wreck-It Ralph. I should really get around to doing that. Oh, dude, I highly recommend it. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's a Pixar, it's a Pixar film, but I, it appeals to, like, every video game, like, ever. Like, you'll see an Easter egg from everything, pretty much. It's like, you'll see even, you know, well, they had to give some money to Capcom because they used you know, Capcom characters like Zangief and M. Bison yeah. and Ryu. Pretty much almost all the Street Fighter characters. They even had a, um, even had like a Metal Gear Solid uh, little uh, Easter egg where, you know, Rick and Ralph's like digging through the Lost and Found and he finds the exclamation point that you see that pops above people's heads when you get caught. And then he goes in intruder mode. There's also, um, of course, yes, Mario. Yeah, Sonic. Yeah, just there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of stuff. Now, I don't think this is the very first game to have a sit-down cabinet, but you know what I'm talking about where you go in and 
it encompasses your whole body basically where you sit in like a a, a hub right time, like those classic uh it's one of the very first games i've ever seen where it was set up like that i know there was a star wars game i used to love to play and star trek also had one but at the time it was really unusual to have a game what do you even call those like the closed consoles where you sit down oh, oh cockpit it's like a cockpit and you know it had, yeah. the, it had the pedal and the you know the shifting gears and stuff like that whereas the, oh, yeah. the stand-up was just not the same and i man whenever you found one of those sit down you're like woo you know it's just so yeah, no, awesome. it's a lot of fun yeah especially the episode one pod racer game which i think was the only thing cool thing that came out of you know the star wars prequels yeah you know the, uh, was that was that a, and darth maul was that a cockpit or was that a, a sit down like you know where um it's an open field but you have a real seat oh it's like an open field but you have like a real seat you actually have the shifting gears but it's not like you're not in comp or entombed in like a oh, okay. case no yeah i think they pretty much stopped doing that you see one every once in a while um usually like a shooting game you know where you're in a, in a cabinet but a lot of times it's really open like the fast and furious game which is kind of open and uh what was the one i just played um i played a batman one where you're in the batmobile but it it's it has tons of like little gadgets all around you're sitting in it or whatever but you're not closed in I think it's kind oh, of. Oh yeah. I think it's and because you're... some people get claustrophobic. Yeah, that could be it too. I was like, you know, who knows? Like, oh gosh, I don't know how kid, like some kids are just somewhat born claustrophobic from now on. I don't know why. You know, it's like you think they wouldn't? I mean, being in a womb for you know for nine months, and yeah. Then, yeah, you're finally out and free. Like you'd be kind of used to that, you know. Um, Deep down, subconsciously. Yeah. The game company that developed this is Bally Midway. Now they produce their own systems now for the arcades. Well, back in the day, I guess they didn't have the finances to do that. Um, no, actually, I have this backwards. I'm sorry. Namco approached Bally Midway, and Bally chose wrong. <laughs> they chose a game called Mappy, which I have played, which is boring as hell. And then Atari got the rights to pole position. Now, what, what, what's weird is, okay, so Atari made a ton of money off the console, you know, the arcade console. Why is it that they yeah. were broke the same year? Pole position came out in 1983. They made $60 million off that alone. How is it that same year they were bankrupt? Uh, that has to be just really, really bad spending. I can't say. For me, like, I never even knew of Atari until later when I actually hit the hard arcades and played Pong and all the old classic games. I was always with, you know, Super Nintendo and stuff like that. You know, Sega Genesis and then on. Right. But, you know, in 1983, 84, video games were on the verge of disappearing forever because Atari screwed up bad first off there's too many consoles at once you know the, back then the world wasn't ready for oh the commodore the intellivision the atari the uh what's the one with the weird it was jaguar i want to say jaguar wasn't Vir until 95 virtual boy no well, that was like in the 90s yeah but i'm talking about the original downfall in 1984 those systems you know the games they didn't, and Nintendo changed everything because they had quality assurance. You wanted a game put on their console, you had to go to them, and they placed like a special chip in there so that they knew it was official. Now, Atari and Commodore and Television, they didn't, a ColecoVision, they didn't do any of this kind of stuff. So whoever could produce a game would put it on the console, and it didn't matter if it was good or bad. There was no quality assurance whatsoever. So people would go to the store trying to buy video games for their kids. And yeah, sure, they asked for Pole Position, the home console game. Well, that's 40 bucks. Why would I spend 40 bucks on Pole Position when I look at this bin filled with shitty games that are no good, but you can get 10 games for the same exact price? And that's what destroyed video games is because there was no quality whatsoever. 
but Nintendo saved it. You know what's funny is it's almost um, 30 years ago today where Nintendo was launched and saved video games. Pretty much, yeah. And that, and you know, decisions like that are what kind of are what, are what happened to THQ. THQ just came in, kept coming out with all these, you know, low quality games, <clears throat> and that they eventually bankrupt bankrupted themselves, and they were the ones against you know youth gaming. Yeah, LJN did the same thing: licensing, spending a ton of money licensing a movie, and then making the worst game. But everybody was suckered in for years, and then finally we just got wise to it, and then they went bust. Right. I do want to say this Namco. I think I think the most the most known franchise I know that they've done recently was uh, Soul Calibur, or the, you know the whole Soul Edge, Soul Calibur right. genre. I thought that was one of the most fun ones and most <clears throat> one of the coolest fighting games I've ever played. Yeah, it's funny I mean, it's, you know, Pole Position is still available in many many versions. You know, there's even a, a Namco Speedway in the the collection. There's a plug and play. You ever use one of those plug and plays? I think so, yes, where they store a bunch of games, like the old Namco games. like Yeah, it's in, the, it's in the controller. Yeah, you just plug it right into your TV. It's awesome. I know. It's like, that's got to be a lot of – that's got to be a lot of storage too. Yeah. You know what's funny is uh, I think that this is now easily available for download. So if you have an Xbox or a Nintendo or whatever, I'm sure you can just go on there. No problem. Download it for a couple bucks. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, But other than that, I, I mean, Pole Position, I don't even think it would even get like a remake. No, it's it's of its time only. A lot of video games, they have a character that you connect to or a story that's like, hey, you know what? That's something that could be revived. But there are some games. By the way, I want to say this. The dad in this or whoever this is, uh, he looks a lot like the actor Sam Waterston <laughs> from Law & Order. Yeah, he does, actually. <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, you know. That guy kind of looks like. Um... Go ahead. I think the one with the dark hair kind of reminded me of Patrick Dempsey at one angle. Yeah. This cartoon only lasted 13 episodes, uh, and there's, yeah. there's probably a reason. You still there? Yeah, I oh. can definitely tell. I can tell already. Uh, I'm constantly looking at my watch. I'm like, is this over yet? No, uh, <laughs> you, you did the robot voice, which usually means my internet's cutting out. But maybe you are just turning into a robot. I knew it! I knew it this whole time! Oh, no, it's my phone is going to... My phone is going to... Affiliate into my body, and I'm going to turn into a robot, just like in Superman Three. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think we could probably end this now. I mean, we're not to the end. We usually try to finish. We're fairly close, but we would just be padding this for the next seven minutes. Pole position. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was on for 13 episodes. I remember it was rerun for a couple years. I feel on CBS, and I, I liked it at the time, but you know, it doesn't hold up. And of course, it has not nothing. at all. The, the video game had no plot, so why would you connect to this at all? Uh, yeah, she kind of reminds me of Adrian Barbeau. Barbeau butt. Yep. <laughs> All right, so I think we're gonna go ahead and stop it here. Go ahead if you want to continue. Can you watch it at home? We have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, I we will just, recommend speed. I will recommend Speed Racer. I would only recommend Pole Position as kind of a time capsule of the moment, especially if you're into video games. But there are much better cartoons out there. There, uh, there's Dragon Slayer, Dragon Slayer, and Space Ace, which are amazing. Uh, there's Saturday Super K. There's a Mario Brothers show. Um, I'm not gonna say Zelda. That name is evil. Um, that was one of the worst cartoons ever. Oh, uh, God. You know, and the Pac-Man cartoon, of course, is one of my favorites. Whenever it's on, I just eat it up. I love that cartoon. That was not a pun. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh my God. Me. <laughs> yes. Do you usually have a side of cherries? <laughs> 
<laughs> I do. Oh, all right. All me, right, honestly, so... for, you got me hooked into Captain N. That one I'm definitely going to continue yeah, watching. Yeah, I forgot to mention that one. That one's awesome because it's a bunch of different worlds all together. Yeah, so Pole Position... Especially the Castlevania world. Pole Position is really on the bottom there, probably close to uh, uh, the Legend of Zelda cartoon. Um, so I'd probably skip that unless it's just pure curiosity. Uh, so I, I guess that's the, we we tried to do a you know an episode that was close to Fast and Furious and some sort of street racing car oriented thing. We tried watching Speed Buggy. Uh, I never actually got around to it, but we might try that later. There's Mask, which is like GI Joe but with cars and stuff like that. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we were talking about doing Ducktales and uh, Rescue Rangers next. Yes, we could do that. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So or should um, we stick to? Go ahead. I was like, should we stick to like a Marvel cartoon? Because that's going to be coming out soon. Well, uh, the plan was DuckTales, uh, Rescue Rangers, and then after that we're going to do Marvel cartoons because of Avengers coming out. So we'll have like two episodes of those. Okay, sounds perfect. Um, thank you everybody gonna... for your support. Um, check us out, Retro Rock Entertainment. We have all of our shows up there. Of course, Back in Tunes is the one that gets so much love, so much support. Thank you everybody. If you have a double feature you have in mind, let us know. Otherwise... Signing off. This is Michael. Peace out. Yeah, this is Jacob. I'm, t- you know, I want to show my appreciation, appreciation as well. We love you. You know, oh gosh, it's like, oh my god, I, I just makes me want to sing, you know, something from, you know, Cat in the Hot Tin Roof, or is it Fiddler on the Roof? I can't remember. It's the match. It's the matchmaker song. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a find and catch me a catch. And I found my catch with this audience. I will say that much right now. <laughs> All right, everybody have a good night. Have fun. You realize this probably gonna be, there's probably going to be a restraining order filed after this. Uh, oh, jeez. Oh, God. Oh, oh, that's right, because I forget. I mean, I, I'm i still thinking our, our, you know, most of our audience would be, like, you know, adults, not kids. Yes. Let's, let's keep it easy. <laughs> All right, everybody. Oh, my God. It's, well, I mean, it's like school. It's almost like school. that scene in School of Rock when Jack Black is, like, you know, talking about, you know, how he's touched. You know, that kind of situation. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. You didn't your touch ch- your children have touched me, and I have touched them. <gasps> <laughs> Something like that. Please, let's not take this out of proportion. Let's yeah. not freak out over every little thing. Hey, look! A Dungeons and Dragons ride! I'm your host, Michael, and this uh, episode is six months in the making. I finally was able to get my co-host. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tony, still there? Hey, everybody. This is uh, Tony Racy. And we've been talking about doing this episode for about six months now, but things just keep getting in the way. (laughs) And uh, uh, listeners will just notice that uh, the phone call got uh, disconnected, and I had to go, hey, wait, where are you? (laughs) 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes Skype is a pain in the butt. All right, so the very first episode of Dungeons and Dragons is called The Night of No Tomorrow. It's complete up on YouTube. Go ahead and hit play now. We'll just discuss the cartoon while we go. So the opening theme of this is kind of strange because most cartoons had a music set up and at best it would show names. This one's kind of weird because it had music in the background but narration up front, which is very unusual for a cartoon. I don't think I've ever seen that outside of this cartoon. Right. It's cool because they like, like, they give you the whole storyline in like the opening credit sequence. They don't have to go over it again at any other time. They never have to like... And they keep... Every time you see it, it's like you're reminded, oh yeah, that's how they got there. They took that crazy... Uh, that crazy tunnel of love slash horror, horror uh, funhouse ride into this cra- yeah, it's, crazy, uh, crazy Dungeons and Dragons realm. Yeah, it's a weird way to intro, but at least it, it cuts down the exposition every episode. This is how we got here, and they're like, well, just watch the intro, you'll be fine. Right, right. Oh, wow, I didn't realize the, the writer of this, Mark Evanier, uh, he would go on to do a bunch of cartoon and comic book work, and in fact, he's kind of considered the expert on modern day animation wow like if you watch any sort of like commentary track or behind the scenes on looney tunes and disney and stuff like that his name is almost always there really um did you have a problem when you were a kid like did your parents have issue with you being into dungeons and dragons because my parents would not let me well the thing the thing is I didn't really have any, like, well, the friends I had were younger, but, like, I lived in, like, low-income housing apartments at the time, and there was no other kids. If there was any white kids in the area, no one was playing Dungeons & Dragons. And you needed, like, you needed, like, uh, multiplayer to play it. The reason I liked the cartoon so much is that I didn't have to, like, buy the game and try to track out friends who were, like, a little older than me who knew how to play. And then, um, you know, I, I wish I would have been into the game, but I just was, uh... This was as close as I can get to it. So I, I had no idea if, if how close the game was to the, to the cartoon. Or if it was, I'm pretty sure it was like nothing like the cartoon. Yeah, but, not... yeah. <laughs> Have you played D&D since? No, I, I just I've never, never had a chance to. It's never come up. Yeah, I, no, I, I don't know if it's like indicative of the area I was from. You know what I mean? Like suburban Philadelphia, you know, a lot of kids were into it there or whatnot or, or if they were you know I, I didn't know them you know but I, I think it was it was certainly I think it was certainly bigger like uh, either farther northeast or, or further west like, like kids kids were certainly more, more into it the uh, when, when it was going around I think it was around fifth or sixth grade the cartoon I think was over by then and I was talking to some friends at school and they were like into D&D and I was like oh I gotta play that and I was telling my mom about this and she was like oh no 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 you are never playing D&D some kids killed each other because they were playing D&D. Do you remember that? Some kids yeah, were playing D&D for real? I forgot, I forgot the whole occult angle, how people would get, got so uh, fired up about things like that in the 80s. Whether it was listening to heavy uh, metal music or something like that. I totally forgot about that. All that uh, occult uh, nonsense and the paranoia parents had. With all, with all that kind of stuff, I think I think in my area people are less afraid of that and more afraid of like actual like <laughs> actual crime that could yeah. happen. You know what I mean? Like uh, you know, like uh, drugs, etc. Yeah, you, where Gun you grew up and where I grew up are totally different. Uh, the town that I grew up in um, was fairly 
conservative, and then I moved to another town that was bananas on like religion. Uh, it was it was literally called the City of Churches, and it's the kind of town that banned the Harry Potter books because they thought it was promoting uh, satanic works to children. God, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. But yeah, they wouldn't let people play D and D. You know, it's during that whole era of what I call satanic panic. You know, you couldn't listen to heavy metal. You couldn't. Uh, do any oddball stuff. You couldn't be strange in any way, and you could not play D and D. So the best I had was this cartoon. I mean, it's the, totally the wrong way to go about it. If you want to defuse the situation, just act like uh, like go ahead, check it. It won't do anything. It won't work. So of course that made me more like, oh yeah, it'll give me satanic message. Well, now I gotta hear it. And then of course, like that's just horror shit. It's not doing anything. <laughs> that's crazy. What's everybody so worried about? Yeah, uh, it reminds me of what's that movie, The Gate. Do you remember that one where you opened oh, the portal? Yeah, and you... was that, was that Steven, a young Stephen Dorff? Yeah, that, it always reminds me of that. And then I become te- I became terrified of anything slightly connected to Satanism. So yeah, I never even went near Dungeons and Dragons. That used to be on HBO like all the time. My friend had been HBO up the street, and I used to watch it all the time. And it was like these little gray goblin creatures came out of like oh, super creepy. Yeah. Like. I, I think I'll rewatch a few years back. I'm like, oh man, like, like the CGI or whatever. CGI in this is terrible. How was yeah. well, I? Like, yeah, it was scared stop, of this. It was stop motion animation. I still think stop motion can be kind of uh, unnerving if it's done right. Um, so D and D, the cartoon is the only thing I was allowed to watch. I got to play Dungeons and Dragons. I think it was either in eighth grade or really early in high school. And by the time I got done playing it, I was like, that sucked. Now, I know that probably burns some bridges right now to some of the listeners because they're <laughs> hardcore D&D fans, but I do not have the attention span or the ability to follow rules very well, so it's the kind of game that just tortured me. Yeah, I mean, you really have to be, in, I guess, into the structure of the game, then you got to have to have a decent imagination. And if you have ADD, playing a game like that, it's really tough. Oh, yeah. You really have to focus. Yeah, try giving me Monopoly, my brain explodes. It's like, how many hours do I have to commit to this game? Oh, my God. Well, yeah, I'm doing, I guess that's, that's pretty much what's cool about the uh, cool about the, the cartoon. It kind of, like, plays the game for you, or as much as I knew. You know what I mean? Like, uh, this is probably exactly what the game's like. Why well, don't you have to play it? I just watch it on, watch, watch it on TV. Take, take, take like, the, uh, the Lazy Man's route. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, what is it? The, um, the video games aren't too bad. I have one on my Xbox I got free. And uh, it's pretty entertaining because it doesn't make you do a whole lot of the world building. And it's just basically a straightforward hack and slash. Oh, that's cool. What's a ball Gate? Name. It's, it's like got my name written all over. In Magic the Gathering, I tried playing that in college. And it's almost the same exact rule except that it cost a friggin' fortune because you got to get all these cards. And it's just like I watched my friend basically go broke buying the cards. And I was like, all right, you're still with this. Let me check it out. And I was like, oh. I don't. I don't I, I'm good. I yeah. need to do this. I, w- I work with this guy, and he, um, him, and his ex-girlfriend are in this dispute over a Magic the Gathering card. Apparently, the one, this one card is super valuable. And I was like, really? Like, well, she wants my Magic card. I was like, probably the nerdiest. This is the nerdiest dispute I've ever heard in my life. He's like, it's pretty valuable, though, man. It's like a couple hundred bucks. I was like, really? Wait, Magic so. the Gathering is still going on. It didn't. It's not out of business. Oh no, people still do it. I see. I see packs at stores. People. I had no idea. I thought it went out of business years ago. I thought people might want to. It was like an older, rare vintage card, and people still. 
I did this kid's still playing as far as I know. <laughs> and uh, his ex-girlfriend is too, apparently. Uh, so here's the funny thing about Dungeons and Dragons, and it kind of has the look. If you know cartoons from the early '80s, uh, you'll you'll it won't surprise you that Marvel is responsible for the production of this cartoon. Yeah, I mean, it has a little similar look, look like some of the other action cartoons of the era: your GI Joes, your Thundercats, your Transformers. It has that kind of uh, it has that uh, that sort of a uh, I don't know <laughs> a sort of set of general general look. Yeah, there's two usually usually different schools of the animation, and they usually have an anime style, which is what Transformers and G.I. Joe had. You can usually tell because uh, Japanese animation, either it's done differently or it's done on a lower budget because it kind of has a slight blur effect, whereas this looks like it's done without any blur whatsoever, so it might have been produced in America. Yeah. Trying to look here to see who, who ended up doing this. Oh, no, it is a Japanese company, Toy. Uh... I, I, I don't think I'm even saying that right. T-O-E-I. I see it named here and there, but they mostly do uh, American stuff, I think, during the 80s, and then went back to doing their 90s stuff. Oh. Nope, I'm wrong. I don't recognize any of these cartoons except Dragon Ball and Transformers, like, at the very end. Oh, they did a Dragon Quest cartoon? You, you were a Dragon Warrior, right? Yeah, yeah. Dragon Warrior, I didn't realize that they did a, a cartoon for that. I love that game. You have encountered a slime. Wow, see if you can find that cartoon online somewhere. Yeah, I love that game, but overseas it's called Dragon Quest. I think it's called Dragon Quest here now, but for a long time it was Dragon Warrior. Huh. You know what's weird is this was on for three years, and the very final episode, which was going to wrap up everything and then kind of do a spinoff, it never got made. They wrote the script, but they never bothered to... A, doing it why would you go for three years and then just go eh screw the fans we're just gonna leave it open-ended yeah like I, in the uh i have the dvds and then like uh i think they had, they made some fan fiction where they, they kind of uh did a live action version and they gave it their own kind of closure but i yeah i think they had, they had the script punched up and everything they just i just never went into production and they just never never made it and yeah. uh it, it involved avengers somehow doing something I can't remember exactly what, but... Now, you paid a yeah, bloody just, fortune for your DVDs, didn't you? Yeah, I was like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it was a few years back, though. It was a couple years back. I don't think that this would have been on YouTube back then, anyway. Well, at least the YouTube catalog wasn't what it is now, right. you know? Well, yeah, and, uh, yeah, Milk Creek also put out a complete collection. I was, I was having a hankering for like uh, for, for some Asian sad time, I suppose. Oh, nice. So the voice. I, cast, I did try to watch them. Go ahead, sorry, man. Uh, the voice cast on this is a lot stronger than most cartoons at the time. If you look at it, it's Willie Ames, of course. At he was at a peak when this cartoon came out. Not so much now. I think he's basically known for Bible Man. I think Bible Man's pretty much over too. Yeah. Well, they, I mean. Uh, I don't know who some of the other characters are. They had some of like the um, the the end uh, the uh, the end credits. They the, the one little kid, the guy who plays Bobby, went on to become a dentist. And uh, I don't I don't think he was did, did any voice over acting, but beyond what he did in this cartoon. Yeah. So I think he's like a dentist in L.A. somewhere, as far as I know. Yeah, are you talking about Adam Rich, the one who was on uh, Eight Is Enough? Let me check. Bobby is voiced by Ted Field. No, I have no idea who that is. 
Right. 
Yeah, I, I think one of the things the voiceover actors got angry about is like people would accuse them of not acting. They're just making voice. No, we're acting. You know what I mean? We're totally acting. We're just like we just can't be seen doing it. You know? Yeah. Did you see uh, Mark Hamill was talking about how he said voice work was the lazy man's job? And I was like, oh, dude, you've survived off this for, like, 20 years. What are you doing burning your bridges like this? Yeah, it's tough, man. It's certainly was living off his Star Wars, uh, his Star Wars royalties. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, that his, the Batman cartoon alone probably uh, probably uh, kept food on his table. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't even know how. How, did, how do you think that worked? Do you think George Lucas was stingy with the uh... – you know, the licensing rights, giving out money to people and stuff like that, or do you think he was pretty generous? Uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm sure he was pretty, pretty stingy. I, don't, I mean, who knew? I don't know if when uh, when they all signed their contracts at the end of that, they knew it was going to be the juggernaut it turned out to be, you know? Yeah, well, no, Fox didn't even think it was going to be a juggernaut because they gave George Lucas the rights to the merchandising. I think he had to give over his paycheck for the movie, but... <laughs> Oh man, getting the rights to the sequels and the merchandising. Oh man, he scored on that one. Yeah, whatever deal he made with Kenner for those toys, holy crap! Is Kenner still yeah. around? I think Kenner went out of business. Uh, I was watching uh, this show on uh, I guess I don't know if it was Discovery or Learning Channel. It was called The Toy Hunter, and this guy went to like the uh, old Kenner factory or whatever that was in St. Louis or something that folded, and uh, you know. Give a track down, but yeah, I'm not sure when Kenner went out of business. Uh, maybe the late '80s, maybe early '90s, something like that. Yeah, I used to remember seeing their, their names everywhere, and they used to grab like all the toy and uh, or the all the uh, cartoon and movie uh, licenses. And every time a movie would come out, you're like, "Oh, Crawl! All right, I'll get a toy from that." And then Crawl sucked. You're like, "I don't want that toy anymore." <laughs> Crying star <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Here's the weird thing: is uh, the toy company that licensed the rights to the Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, figures. It was LJN. I didn't even know they even made action figures. I just know them for really, really bad video games. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've never seen a Dungeons and Dragons toy in the uh, in my local Toys R Us or or Toy Store in my, my area. I, I don't don't recall ever seeing them around. You know, it's funny. For some reason, my cartoon paused. Where are you at, time wise? Uh, what do you mean? I'm, I mean. 1:39 p.m. I don't. It's not running on the car. I mean, on the cartoon. Hold yeah. on, sorry, man. Um, it's okay. Let me double check. The one thing I noticed in the licensing, I totally forgot about these. I used to have a ton of them. Is the Pick a Path Adventure books? Do you remember those? The Choose Your Own Adventure. Oh, yeah. I think there was one called uh, Zork or something like that. There was. I used to read this. I think only one or two, but I used to read the. Uh, it was really similar to uh, to the Dungeons and Dragons series. I think it was called Zork or the Adventures of Zork or something crazy like that. You know, I think I had one of those. I had a couple of the Indiana Jones ones, and I used to cheat because I would fast forward to the page. Nope, die. Go back. Go back. Go back. Go back. <laughs> I I think I, I'm sure everybody did that. I was sure was like, no, like it was oh, like one paragraph and I'm dead. Okay, I guess let me let me throw this book away. I'll never read this again. <laughs> yeah, I did it all the time. I was like, oh, let's see the let's see the the better way I could. Uh, I can navigate this whole adventure. <laughs> I think I think most of us did that. If there was any way to do that with the Rubik's cube, I would have loved to have figured that. Or the what is it? The Rubik's pyramid. There's like a little triangle one. I remember cheating by taking the stickers off and then putting it back on, but they never stuck exactly the right way. And you're like, oh, that's not obvious at all. Nope. <laughs> all right, everybody. We came to the end of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, apologize for some of the audio problems. Uh, we both live in the middle of nowhere, so <laughs> it's going to happen. 
Um, any last words about D and D? I mean, I, w- I totally wish they uh, made at least one last episode or like wrapped it all up. Uh, I don't know if I would like if they made a reboot. I'm afraid they do a terrible job. You know what I mean? Or uh, or there just wouldn't be any interest in it, and they would just like have like two episodes. Yeah, well, the D and D audience has changed so much. At one point, actually, they went out of business or they went bankrupt, and then the company that owned Magic had to buy them and you know mm-hmm. relaunch it. And and I think they're more focused not so much on the books, but more focused on the online experience. You know, the the video game experience. So the uh, uh, the idea of grabbing a book and grabbing a scrap of paper has kind of changed. I know some people still play it though. Twenty sided die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm sure people are probably still into it. Like it's rainy day games in Portland, or like, uh, or Tilsver, I should say, or like, uh, you know, one of those mini game places in Portland. There's like probably have a whole, whole subdivision of fans who are still into Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, well, Portland is an anomaly because they're kind of old school, retro. Plus the fact that yeah. it rains so much, they kind of they latch onto things that really aren't around anymore. Like people still have VCRs and they still rent movies from a store and you know, there's lots of bars, strip clubs and people love their board games. Yeah, man, I was on, um, I was on Clinton street and I was thinking about, it. I, pa- I passed back when I lived in Portland and I passed like a rental shop, a VHS rental shop last time. I was like, Holy shit, man. And like, and it's such, I mean, it's kind of hipster. It's a really hipster area. I'm like, of course they're in like an out- outdated medium, but <laughs> It's, like the I, only, I just, it's the only city I know of where cassette tapes will come back. Like new pe- uh, people are putting out new albums on cassette, and you're like, oh, it, it, it will only happen here. Check out my demo mixtape. I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like, like, is that right by your DeLorean? Should I have back, I have back in time 20 years? Did, uh, did you ever see the D&D movies? No. Uh, there's three of them. Uh, one of them was with Marlon Wayans and uh, uh, that girl from American Beauty. I can't remember. It was a, it was kind of a big budget affair. It was like thirty five million dollars. Oh, Jeremy Irons is the villain. You never saw that one? No. What the hell? Yeah, it uh, it came out right before uh, Lord of the Rings. You know how sometimes that happens when a big movie's coming out. Oh, like, yeah, I, I remember now. Yeah. I I totally remember when that was out. Totally, totally. I never saw it, but I I I, I do remember remember it being around. Well, since you haven't seen it, I'll say real quick to the audience, I would say the first one has a couple of the moments where you're like, oh, it's just like the game. This is just like the maze that I played. But Marlon Wayans is treated basically like a servant. You know, uh, he's a minstrel, so it's pretty racist, and it's kind of stupid. The second one gets it right. It feels exactly as if you had taken the concept of the game and put it into a movie, but it's so much more low budget. Like, the first one's like $40 million, the second one's like 10 12 million dollars and then the third one the final chapter that was on sci-fi channel looks like what sci-fi channel puts on the air now if you know what i mean like low budget garbage like sharknado it's that kind of so only watch the second one if you want something that's close to being what you expect out of a D movie all right so I'll definitely have to go check that out yeah i've never seen was... there's a couple animated movies but i've never seen them huh. what were you gonna say i was up to that would have to be on youtube as well would it you know what? They are on YouTube. That's where I found it. Because the third Dungeons and Dragons movie only aired on Sci-Fi Channel, I think, twice, and then it's never been put on video. It's never been aired again. So you know what? Fair game. It's something like that. Go ahead and find a bootleg. It's yeah. I think all three of them are up on YouTube. Nice. Uh, definitely check those out. All right. Uh, thank you everybody for sitting through uh, this episode. <laughs> there were some technical difficulties. Maybe we can erase some of those in editing, but. Uh, furthermore, uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for the suggestions for cartoons. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. And soon, 
I'll have the Back in Tunes page up so you can catch all of our episodes all at once. Not all at once, because that'd be a weird, you know, disaster of sounds. But you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I, am I never not awkward? <laughs> I, that's kind of your style, man. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what people come to love and expect. Yeah, uh, thank you, Tony, for uh, sitting this one out. Uh, it was one of those things where we talked about it back in, I think, October, November, and things just right. never it, lined up. It was my fault, man. I'm up all night. I had a job where I was up all night, and I'd be awake for maybe two hours during the day. And when I was awake, I was like, oh, this world sucks. <laughs> and yeah. then just fall back asleep. Life totally got in the way. Yeah. What all right. Uh, I guess I'm going to sign off now. Thank you, everybody, and have a good night. All right, man. See you. Thanks for having me. All right, all right everybody. Good night. Have a good night. Good night. Right all.